Speak first, anyone? Okay, it's good. It's a good start. Good start. Good start. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not good at silence. I'm really bad at no. it. That oh. made me very uncomfortable. Did it? When you yeah. edit your own videos, is it? Does it make you comforted to know that you're yelling at yourself? I I do a lot of I. The comment section could never speak worse of me than I do. Like I just, <laughs> I just spend the entire editing process going. It wasn't funny, piece of crap, garbage. <laughs> I, I cut jokes all the time. All because of this, that wasn't. What's not two one is three one. You friggin' moron! All the all the errors yeah. that make it through. You should see the ones that don't. I'm not a smart guy. I got there, it from. Uh, I got it from Canucks fans. Apparently, they beat the Sens eight one or something or seven one. And I said eight one. And someone's like, "Not that it matters, but do your research." I was like, you just told me it didn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, I missed by a goal. But uh, listen, uh, today's show is going to be pretty all over the place. We've got somebody that uh, we're pretty excited about, a guy named Julian McKenzie out of Montreal. If you haven't heard of Julian, you will. Uh, he is one of the next up-and-coming sports guys in, uh, in the country, and he's just absolutely incredible, and he has like 18 jobs. Uh, but he's going to talk to us specifically about Darren Ferris, Victor Mete and Sam Bennett. Victor Mete, who looks like he's going to play his first game of the season tonight for the Montreal Canadiens, which is sort of a big deal considering he apparently requested a trade, which Mark Bergevin denied. So we'll get uh, Julian on to talk about it because because he was the one to confirm that, yes, the trade requests were sent and Mark Bergevin was not telling Pierre Lebrun the truth, which I'm sure is just gamesmanship at the end of the day. In the meantime, shall we start with our man, Tony? Anthony, wait, wait. The good Tony. <laughs> Tony the Tiger. Shall we start with our man, Tony the Tiger? That's a big, you're right, Steve. That's a that's key really- clarification. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but true. So, okay. If you were to pick a goal from the last week, Steve, that stood out to you. That calls for some of the frosted week. flakes. Telly of the week. Favorite. Telly of the week. Um, I am going to pick someone who... Uh, the Leafs decided to give recognition to, and then he gave recognition to himself by uh, tying the game for his team. Uh, Leafs down 3-1, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner with a brilliant goal, which is probably where you think I'm going with this, but I'm not. That was the 3-2 goal. The 3-3 goal by Zach Hyman. Uh, power play goal, banging in in front, very simple Zach Hyman style, but with the A on his chest for the first time ever as a Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, the Leafs doing that gesture with the reverse retro jerseys, giving uh, Hyman and Muzzin uh, the A. Something that absolutely no Leaf fan had any objection to. I, no. I didn't see a single one. I saw a few questions like, well, like, I, I, I think they took it off of uh, Mitch and Austin's chest, but like, I'm sure they were consulted and didn't care. Uh, because they know that uh, Muzzin and Hyman absolutely deserve it. And it was great to see uh, Hyman after all his years of working so hard and doing everything right in this organization that he got that little moment of shine. And he also scored in that moment to tie the game. So to that me, that's my silly cool. of the week. And a team can have as many assistant captains as they want. It's just you can only have two on the ice at the same time, right? Uh, yeah, unless you don't have a captain, you can have three. But yeah. Okay. What yeah, a yeah, and the Leafs had great Sully. 
Leafs had uh, no captain for years. It was great. Can you name some of the assistant captains the Leafs had between uh, Dion Phaneuf and John Tavares? Jason uh, Allison. No. No. <laughs> Just, I was like, wait. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, Matt Hunwick. Matt Hunwick wore the A uh, the, during like the big year, the 16, 17 uh, crazy rookie year. He was on the, I believe, wasn't he on all the advertising too? Because they used all the assistant captains for so the Centennial like, Classic. It was, like was him, Morgan Riley. We, uh, we did like Lomarov. half an hour on that Lomarov, on the show. Matt Hunwick, yeah. <laughs> come out to see a star. Yeah, yeah that's. And you know what? You hated those jerseys, did you not? The II captains. Mm. Oh, that was um, was that the one? I'm, no, I was talking about the Centennial Classic, the II oh, captain one. I know year. you love it. Yeah. I see you wear it all the time. I have I just, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe just really insecure about my teeth there, Jesse. Maybe. No, it's hard for me to wear white. It's not yeah. it's not good. It's not good for me. I don't look great in white either. I will say that. Uh, no. It's just not my look. So I bought a white Marley's jersey and I regret it. Now, uh, <laughs> also because if you take, if you wear a game, something like that to a game and you get like nacho sauce or ketchup or something on it, it's there forever. Then you're oh, then your guy walking around with stain on your shirt. It's Battle nice. scars. That's all it is. Battle Shows scars. you've been to the games. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag That's the other reason I can't wear the them. I'm too I'm too dumb. And I'm Italian, so I have pasta eight times a week. And oh, it's all over my jersey. Eight times. <laughs> oh, a lot of colors. What is happening? Who are you, Michael <laughs> Phelps? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Jesse, you gotta have the, the one breakfast pasta a week. <laughs> to go with the seven dinner pastas obviously right. yeah yeah you new here yeah it was crazy oh uh, the new guy <laughs> <laughs> so can we uh we gotta we gotta figure out who wore the crown but jesse who's it brought to you by today this uh today this episode it's brought to you by uh dom lecision's uh charts and his computer model because hey. it did it updated itself on four games in, and it did say that McDavid is better than Matthews. Okay. So the computer fixed itself, and it's sponsoring this part of the episode. So, uh, who wore the crown? Brought to you by Dom Decisions Charts. Even when they're right, they're wrong. Why not? Check out Dom Decisions <laughs> Charts. <laughs> 50,000 times, but this is the 50,000th and first time. Mm. Why not read Dom Decision in The Athletic? Why not? You know, here's the thing. I might, I would, I would be concerned about Dom hearing that and taking it the wrong way. But he has told me emphatically he does not listen to any podcast. So, <laughs> including ours. No, he he doesn't. So it's not for everybody, right? So uh, anyway, oh. listen, Steve, starting us off. Who do you give the crown to, my friend? <laughs> we had a friend who every time we saw them was like, "Oh, well, I don't listen," but and we were like, "Yeah, Thanks. oh my, yeah, thank you." <laughs> we do that. have. I have several friends that are like that. That are like they just like to tell you that they've never heard anything that you've done, and you're like, "Okay, like that's it's great, here for man. people that want it. That's fine. That's but you know, it's like the same as like our our friend who said that all the time is a plumber. I've never shown up at his job site and checked out his work. So I mean, I think we're even, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's how I look at it. That's not true. He's fixed my toilet. Has he? Uh, the crown. So <laughs> the the crown, hmm, who should I give it to? Hmm, it is a very difficult decision that I've clearly given much thought to. You know who I'm going to give it to? Just because people uh, I thought were unfairly on him after the overtime. Uh, John Tavares. 
I, I did a little deep dive on, on John Tavares in my most recent LFR video. He was instrumental on the William Nylander goal. He is on a team where visually he's like the sixth or seventh most compelling player. Like, yeah, he's a pretty boring guy to watch when you watch him like, just play. Yeah, and I, like, I'll, I'll be watching him. I'll be like, is he slow? Like, is he just never been a great skater? No, never. And that's going back to when he was 17 playing for the Oshawa generals. It's never been a part of his game. He just does all the little things, right? He doesn't go into the corners with the same, I will drink your blood face that Zach Hyman makes, but he comes out with the damn puck and he just does so many things that help his team win, or in this case, at very least, get a point in the standings. And I just want to give uh, John Tavares uh, his moment in the sun there, because even though he wears the C on his chest, he does get lost in the Mitch Marners and Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley's of the world. Just a real good pro and a, and a guy who just does everything right. And frankly, he should get lost when it comes to Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Everybody should kind of get lost. Everybody's going to get a little bit overshadowed, uh, overshadowed by those two. Um, and on that note, Steve, I'm going to pick uh, the guy that he set up for that goal, uh, William Nylander, who finally shot low. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's Guys, true. Willie you. shot low. Noted podcast listener, William Nylander. You shoot low, you get my crown. William Nylander, thank you so much for scoring that goal. And by the way, let me say this. Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander are all basically a point of game. Some are over, some are under. Not bad. And then you got Morgan Riley at, uh, with seven points in 10 games, sneakily. Nice. Not bad. He's Not bad. Good. The team's doing well. Have you seen the, uh, <laughs> the top scorers in the NHL? It's really uh, funny oh, to look no, at. We'll get to that later. Leave that. Okay. For now. Okay. Leave that for now. It's, a, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Read. Yeah, it sure is. Now, Jesse, who do you give the crown to? Uh, I am also going to go with William Nylander this episode uh, on, what was it? Practice on the 27th. Uh, William Nylander said, I like making plays, but I want to start scoring some goals too. And then the following two games, what did the guy do? Went out and What's scored it? two goals. Whoa. So William Nylander uh, putting his money where his mouth is and doing exactly what he says he's going to do. Shout out, Willie. And we're going to yeah. disregard all the bad penalties. <laughs> yeah, we got to we gotta <laughs> yeah. work on that. Uh, ignore that for this <laughs> segment. Go, Willie. Yeah. It's got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened oh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs and what, they, what their expectations were that it somehow it was going to be 2004 again and that slashing somebody in the hands would be okay. But it just – I don't know why it's endemic this year, but it's endemic with them. It's ridiculous. And it has, I would say, cost them at least two, three points in the standings. There's no question. Like, they're, they're, they should not be – they could be further ahead than where they are right now, which is pretty darn good right now. Uh, so that wraps up the segment. Brought to you by Dom Decisions Charts. When you're reading The Athletic, why not check out Donaldson's charts? Because they might change day to day. Wow. Why they might not? Listen, it's what I love and respect about Dom is that he's Nothing. willing to say, well, Nerd. sorry. <laughs> uh, is that he reads books like a loser. That's why. Uh, no, I respect the fact that he'll be like, well, I was wrong. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I mean, pretty... it's funny thing about predicting stuff because it's like, oh, the course of events changed and that didn't happen. 
Well, yeah, it would the be like the course of events that actually happened. This happened. It's like, okay, guys, it's 1984-85. The Oilers have won the cup two years in a row, and Wayne Gretzky scored over 200 points last year. I'm going to choose Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers to win the cup. What happens in the conference final? Steve Smith, some guy I've never heard of, puts it in his own net. Well, I guess my prediction's wrong, and I'm dumb. Ah, you're an you know, idiot. Like it's just nah, it you're an idiot, Adam. You said the wrong thing. Stupid idiot. He, uh, that was one of the first classic dang it's we did in the spring when oh, yeah? we looked at the Steve Smith own goal. And if I remember correctly, I want to say Gretzky passed the cup to him. Oh, that's cool. Because they won that's the cute. cup the following year. And the following year after that. And the they won the cup very often. Yes, <laughs> they were they, did. they were, I don't know, the eighties Oilers? Have you have you heard? I've oh. heard. <laughs> they're, they're very good. They were very good. <laughs> they were pretty good. Hockey team. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, now, so here's the thing. What we're about to talk about before we get to all the stuff about, um, about you know, the trade requests, we're also going to talk about the Oilers themselves, as Steve mentioned. And, of course, the Penguins looking to steal someone else's general manager. Pretty crazy. Apparently. Yeah. I also got um, the most fun piece of audio. Oh, you do? At some point. Okay. Well, maybe we can use that as balance after the story we're about to do. What do you think, Jesse? Let's do it. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So we had our guy, Tony, earlier in the show. This is emphatically not our guy, Tony. No. Um, And this is a person that we've, uh, you know, kidding aside, this is a person that we have bent over backwards not to give any airtime to. We've intentionally avoided Anthony D'Angelo mentions on this show from the beginning. And the reasons are pretty obvious. And I'm sure we'll get some shitheads in the comment section you know, going off about whatever the hell you guys want to go off about. But the reality is, political opinions aside, because we all know where he stands politically, he really liked to tell people. He's very, he's very closed off about that. Yeah, no, he's, he's quite, he's an open book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so open that he's slamming it in your face. And I think, you know, he had a very, very aggressive online persona. And from all accounts, from junior onwards, this guy has been a pain in the ass teammate, to say the least. Uh, you know, at very worst, racist, uh, at very best pain in the ass. Everybody says pain in the ass. And you remember there's a couple of draft picks that, that have had that same sort of sticker on them. Like I remember, you know, remember when Ryan Merkley was like, Oh my God, he's can't miss, but he's a gigantic asshole or pain in the ass or whatever the rumor was allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And you haven't heard a thing from Ryan Merkley since, right? Yeah. yeah Not pain, a in, pain in the ass. And pain there are ass. other guys who all I've ever heard is pain in the ass. Right. Uh, avoid this guy. Uh, he's a jerk. He's hard to work with. You haven't heard. I I remember because he was picked 2014, wasn't he? Who was this? D'Angelo? Uh, D'Angelo? Yeah. Yes. I I remember like, oh, Tampa. All right. We'll see. 
he won like OHL defenseman of the year. Like he put up the points. He did, you know, on the ice, he did stuff, including uh, harming an official apparently, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, just off the ice, not a great human. Do you want me to run down some of the stuff that happened pre-standing with the Rangers or let's set up the story? I I do, but let me catch, let me catch you up on this. And then Jesse, absolutely. Let's go right to it. So if you haven't missed, if you haven't caught it, uh, and and I suggest you do check out the 31 Thoughts podcast on any day. But uh, this one specifically today, Elliot Friedman goes right into the story. And the first nine minutes are all about this. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, can't miss talent, 50-point defenseman last year, uh, is is on waivers. Or uh, was on waivers until noon today when we uh, we recorded at 2.30. So, um, you know, he's, he's cleared waivers. The New York Rangers have been trying to trade uh, D'Angelo since the end of last season. Actually predating, they're saying, the playoff bubble as well. Um, and he was a restricted free agent. They signed him to a two-year contract worth $4.8 million per season, trying to get some lower value on him, meaning that, like, make him attractive some, to some other team that needs a scoring defenseman. Um, and this is a guy that's struggled to crack the lineup. And then, of course, this past weekend, uh, the New York Rangers lose in overtime. He makes a sarcastic comment, the way Elliot tells it, to the goalie uh, Georgiev. Georgiev takes a swing at him. There's a fight in the dressing room and the Rangers call him the next day or they call his agent. And this is again, via Elliot Friedman um, and say, that's it. We're putting you on waivers. You're done. And Elliot said, I would think this is the last time you've seen uh, Anthony D'Angelo in a New York Rangers Jersey. So Jesse, there is some background to this. Um, There's some lead up to this. And, you know, I, I think, um, I think when we when we talk about this subject, you can't unfortunately mention this guy's name without mentioning what happened in junior first. Forget the best defenseman of the year. There was an incident uh, with racial slurs. Yeah, back in February of 2014, he was suspended for eight games for comments he made directed to one of his own teammates. And that's it's that's such a it was an important suspension because he was the first um, player to ever be suspended for an incident involving two teammates. So, so, and it was eight games in the OHL. So that was a big deal at the time. And then he was drafted by the, the lightning that summer. And then again, in November, he was suspended again. It was a game and that was for uh, comments directed towards an official. And then he was traded by Sarnia in that January and then Tampa traded him to Arizona. And then as Arizona, he was also suspended for comments made directed towards an official. And then we lean up to Arizona, moving him to New York. So he's just a guy who nobody could stand and he kept getting moved. No, and, it, well, it, and it's, it's important to note that because this is not like, oh, cancel culture rearing its no. head. And it's because of these tweets. This dude has been a pain in the ass for almost every team in almost every league that he has ever played for. What, what else do you want? What else do you want? You saw the points that he put up last year. Shouldn't for all the blemishes in his game in the defensive zone, shouldn't a team want this guy? No, he's a pain in the ass. Right shot D 50 points, making less than 5 million. Who wouldn't want that? Could could land him for free on waivers. I don't remember what we said when he signed the extension, but I think it was something along the lines of, well, for his production, it's pretty good. I mean, he seems like a pain in the ass, but we there's a difference between a pain in the ass and what Jesse just said, the, the things that he went through. And we've talked about this many times on the show. Uh, receipts. Adam's always talking about the receipts. You know, uh, he did something in junior. 
It was terrible. Um, he's 25 now. That's a grown ass man. Like he's, he's an adult has, have things gotten better mm-hmm. by all accounts. No, <laughs> no. And it's time they be done with this guy. And here's how much being an asshole uh, is going to cost him because of how young he is. He's still, he's under the age of 26. I think that's the cutoff. Um, he can be bought out and he can be bought out for one third of the value of his contract instead of two thirds. So being an asshole is going to cost him millions of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. He's the contract is 9.6 million. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like doing the math <laughs> and I mm-hmm. do, and I don't have confidence I would do it properly, but it's going to cost him money seven digits for being an asshole not for being a trump supporter not for voicing his political beliefs for being an asshole i don't think i can't think of the last time i ever saw this where a team was just like Uh, we cannot stomach you it's it happens quite a bit i think and i i just i was doing a lot of reading of the old articles about tony d'angelo because he's been in the press since he was suspended back in 2014 and just some of the quotes that come out from around that time and you see how much the game enabled his behavior because his head coach at the time went right after he was suspended for eight games for racial slur against a teammate not an opponent a teammate his head coach trevor uh letowski trevor letowski he said really anthony made a mistake he got caught up in the moment it's something I'm sure he wishes he could take back, but it's one of these unique moments. The league ruled on it and we fully support it. It's eight games. He has to pay the penalty. And I look at look back at that statement seven years removed from it. I'm like, I bet Trevor would like to take that back because that's you. That's not something I don't think Anthony thinks was a mistake. And he wants to take back saying that. I think that's he said that at the time he got suspended. And then for the rest of his career up until February 1st, 2021, He's just been that same guy who's been a pain in the ass to his teammates and to his team. And, and that's he was probably drafted. a coach. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say he was drafted by the Lightning, and then his second chance NHL team was the Coyotes, and Latowski was drafted by the Coyotes, and I wonder I wonder if there's a connection there. Oh, that's interesting, Steve. Really good. Oh. Well, and I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're a coach of players that young, uh, I think maybe what Trevor Latowski might have been doing and I'm not excusing this, but what he might have been doing is I'm going to make a bet on a young man who's immature to be better. And, um, you know, under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't fault him for that. This, though, um, I mean, it, I don't know the particulars of the actual incident because I don't believe what he said ever came out. But we do know it was a slur or, quote, bigoted remarks. Uh, so take that as you will. I mean, I think today that would warrant a far more serious penalty. And it goes to show the evolution of, of how much things have changed for these things and how much we're paying attention to these things. Because at that time it was sort of a, it was a headline, it was a passing headline. Um, Now that would be front page news in terms of, you know, the hockey community, because we weren't really aware. I don't think as, as much as we are now, uh, hopefully we've learned a little bit more. Hopefully we progressed and hopefully we realized that this stuff is very serious. Now there are there, you know, there's a ton of things about this D'Angelo situation, ton of different angles. Um, and I think one of the ones that, that keeps popping up for me is we keep seeing that video online with his dad. And his dad 
basically says, well, these were words that we used all the time when he was growing up. Everybody uses these words. Almost insinuates that it's almost insinuates that it's like, a, well, it's our it's our culture. <laughs> and I can tell you that that is not anyone's culture. Uh, but there, that video does exist, and it's not a particularly good site. I, I think the question now becomes, um, it, it's not like this incident in a vacuum with, with Georgiev is something that I'm, tempers boil over with teammates. Rarely is it that bad that a teammate takes a swing at another one. That's fairly new i would think i know that happens and we don't hear about it because they keep it in the room and they keep it hush hush for obvious reasons but this is a guy where georgiev threw the first punch and they're waving d'angelo supposedly that's the rumor that yeah. that's the that's what elliot said that be as accurate as possible is what he said on the podcast that that's what he believes yeah. to be the truth the, if that's the, the case using thing here is there's, there's been like six different reports but right i I think the the sturdiest ground we have to stand on. Sorry for cutting you off, Adam. The sturdiest no, no. ground we have to stand on. It sounds like Georgiev punched him. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Uh, there were some rumors about Chris Kreider as well. Uh, there, the I do know that the press conferences on the New York Rangers website were cut to, from like 15 minutes to like 15 seconds, and there were screen grabs of Chris Kreider's knuckles, and they were very red. Now, you can be you can be conspiracy theorists about this. The pictures are quite red. He did have his hands in a hot glove for 60 minutes. Who knows? It's hockey. No, no. It's, it's hockey. And it's Chris Kreider. He could <laughs> have been slashed. He like, could have been, been anything. You yeah. can get a bruise from anywhere, right? Yeah. Blocked a shot. Yeah. Um, I think you, you can only go on what you know. There are reports out there, and I think it's important that we mention this. Alleged reports, unconfirmed reports, including one from, is it Blue Shirts Banner, t- or, uh, uh, Steve? Yeah, Adam Herman. Uh, Adam Herman discussing that um, – Sources within the organization confirmed to him that Keandre Miller's first goal puck was taken by Tony D'Angelo. Correct? Yeah, that is that the was, that allegation. Was the, that's the allegation, again, unconfirmed. And Greg Wyshynski has come out and refuted that and saying it's actually out for framing the Rangers do that for their players, which is kind of cool. Which is nice right. Thing. So what, what Adam said to defend himself was what to clarify is the accusation was not um, D'Angelo still had the puck. What it sounds like the accusation is based on Adam Herman's report is he it's almost like he played keep away with it right long enough that it became a thing. Right? Even if it was it could have been something like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It could have been done. No, no, I'm just gonna keep this. It, it but it was long enough that whoops, sorry, it was long enough that it became Tony, give him the fucking puck. Right. Yeah, you know and if I mean? that's somebody playing around, it probably doesn't become a rumor. Also, it's right? A rumor. But yeah. and when no, one has... but then it's. I think it, I could see it becoming like a straw that breaks the camel's back thing. No, yeah. like it's oh, just yeah. it's like you can we stop it... dealing with this fucking guy who can barely make the lineup? Yeah, it's you like know? even like it's supposed to be. This is if it happened, right? I'm just mm-hmm. I'm trying to walk through it, but um, it's an it's just another thing, and you'd probably you tolerate that no problem from most teammates, but it's this mm-hmm. one and, and just another yes. thing. Well, and, and for most teammates, it might actually seem like a playful joke, but when you are, when the player we're talking about is a person of color and the player we're also talking about is a person who has serious issues with, with slurs in the past, it paints a different picture. It puts a, it casts a pall on things. So mm-hmm. we, we should say again that that accusation, Adam Herman clarified it, but 
still to this point unconfirmed by anybody else, correct? I don't believe anybody else has that story. As far as I know, and then Ian Pulver with, um, uh, he's he's uh, Keandre Miller's agent has refuted the claims. Um, now, if you're just, an agent, what's best for you? Confirming that story and dragging your client into it or just saying it, it never happened and making it go away? All right. Make it go away. So he then, refuted the claims in the same way Wyshynski reported on the uh, false nature of the claims in saying that uh, the puck is out for framing. So that's what he said. That they have okay. it, you know? Right. Yeah. And so why why bring Keandre Miller into this? He doesn't need any more of this shit. Let's be honest. Right. Well, and here's the thing. So there was a video that came out uh, of the Rangers. They come out one at a time to go around the center ice logo. I guess this was opening night or whatever. Um, and they were supposed to line up numerically and it should have gone D'Angelo then Miller because they're both numbers in the seventies and Miller intentionally went all the way around and he went somewhere else in the circle and people noted that it was odd at the time, I believe. Um, that's another thing where I, I believe they refuted that. Um, have we missed the Rangers press conference? Has that happened yet? today i have busy in the lead up to the show so okay we haven't seen the rangers press conference i think they're going to uh address some of these things today but i think the number one thing they're going to want to do is make this go away and here's what i feel so bad about uh, is miller getting dragged into it with the puck thing miller getting dragged into it with the um opening night thing around the logo at center ice miller uh um, zoom thing the zoom thing um, where people were just completely inundating the Rangers stream uh, with racist slurs. I don't know the sound of this kid's voice. I've never heard him speak. Keandre I don't know Miller. what Keandre Miller sounds like. And people just keep throwing this shit at him. And the worst case scenario is all of these things happened. Right. But even if they haven't happened now, he's still dragged into it. And this guy's got like, what, eight NHL games to his name? And he's dealing with all this. And he's potentially got this moment in his career that he's supposed to remember fondly forever, sullied. And ugh, it's just, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And this guy, I don't even know if he's hit double-digit NHL games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is why you need... Um, uh, organizations like Black Girl Hockey Club, why you need the HTA, why, like, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> if it's not blatantly obvious to you right now what's happening and it's getting worse or it's gotten worse in the last five years, there's no question. Um, and I think, you know, the question now becomes the accusations are all out there. Um, you know, the, the he's cleared waivers. Um, Twofold question. Number one, what do the Rangers do? And Steve, you kind of already made mention to it. They want this to go away. Number two, have they already made too much go away for this to go away? And what I'm saying is, um, there is Leah Anderson was one of their top prospects, refused to play for them. Mm -hmm. Accused them in the Swedish papers, I believe, of bullying. Not the not management, but within the dressing room. Right. And it was to the point where he was like in in really bad shape. My question for the Rangers would be today. How much of this are you guys going to take ownership of? How much of this is something that you aided and abetted? You know, you have one top dra uh, draft pick walking away from the team, will not play for you, will not set foot in your dressing room, won't sign a piece of paper saying, I'm going to play for the richest team in hockey, 
around the world in the one of the best cities on earth won't play there. The bullying's too rough. I would put up with a lot of shit to play for the New York Rangers. I'll tell you that. Like it's a, what a town, what a team. You want to know what it's like to play for the Rangers? Go back to our Nick Kiprios episode uh, where he talks about what it was like to play for the Rangers in the Mark Messier years. Pretty flipping cool. He made it sound magical. Magical, magical. And if you win in New York, like Rangers fans are intense. Like they don't get enough uh, about how, flipping crazy it is to be a ranger and and how great it is uh fan support wise this is an original six team they got great jerseys too they look great it's just amazing but they were featured on friends they were featured on friends yeah um there is something not right here i don't know how big it is but you've got a player leaving you got another player who, where it's so bad that it that a teammate makes one passing remark and your goalie has to try to punch him out not to answer your question with a question, but does just hockey have a problem with enabling characters like Tony D'Angelo? Because oh, it took, it took two OHL teams and three NHL teams to finally push him around to be like, okay, his skill's not worth it to put up with what's going on in the locker room. So what without do you guys question. think of that? Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But I think that's got to be an acknowledged problem at this point, right? I mean, look at look what the Coyotes did uh, this fall and who they drafted, right? Mm. I mean, they drafted a guy who bullied an autistic person of color. And they said, this is a guy we want in our organization. They This guy, that guy rubbed, I don't even remember his name because it doesn't matter, but he rubbed a lollipop on the inside of a urinal and gave it to the kid. Like this is, this, this is, the, difference. This is the kind of thing, the difference is D'Angelo's played for the Rangers, right? Right. The difference is three NHL teams took a chance on D'Angelo, right? and developed him and put time into him and put him on the ice. At least the Coyotes, at least, and this is a low bar, at least the Coyotes said we we made a mistake. After Mitchell Miller. Pressure. Mitchell, Mitchell Miller, Miller is the name, I think. Mm. Whatever. Yeah. Well, and, um, and the Coyotes were like, oh, we'll be his second chance. And this was for D'Angelo, right? And then a few years later, you know, so it's, I think evolution takes time. Obviously, change takes time, and we're seeing it happen. But um, the problem with, well, not a problem, the challenge, I guess, with uh, change is, uh, you know, sometimes you still have to deal with uh, the ghosts of the past. And we're not, we're not talking about, we're not talking about uh, the far off past, right? We're talking about things that happened in 2014, and he was given the chance to go change. ahead. Go ahead and prove yourself. Mitchell Miller, I think, would still be with the Coyotes organization um, if everything was handled differently. But what, again, it's the receipts conversation. We were looking for an apology. We were looking for remorse. We were looking for X, Y, Z. And we didn't see any of it. We didn't get any of it. And with Tony, he was given way more opportunities. That guy was given like seven, eight years. And all he just, he kept providing receipts from the same store. You know, it's, it's, what else do you want? What else do you want? And now it's going to cost him a, an enormous amount of money Mm -hmm. and no team. There are probably teams. You you can't tell me the senators didn't take a look and go, (laughs) okay, we allowed eight goals last night. 
um, you know, who knows? It might be interesting to take a look at this guy. His actions have made him radioactive. And the only situation I can see here is either the Rangers buy him out or he gets which, traded to a which, team. Which, by the way, cannot happen until this summer. Oh, Jesus. So the other option is he might get traded to a team and then that team will buy him out because they'll see his buyout is useful to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so a team, I don't know. I keep saying the Coyotes. I don't actually like know what they tell him to tell him to stay home and we'll buy you out at the end of the season. Right. So he gets his uh, first year anyway. I don't think he's going to be back in the NHL. Well, here's the thing. The road back is receipts. Is it not for anybody? You want a redemption? You want to go and, you know, go? I mean, that, that would be, that would be the thing. The problem is that people in those positions usually don't want to change. They're usually completely happy with the way they are. And um, and I, there are very few people who are willing to come out of that because they're so, they just don't want to understand why their actions so negatively affect other people. You it's, know, a, it's a willful ignorance of how other people are. And if you ask them about how they may, think they make other people feel, they'll call you a snowflake. It's ridiculous. And, but that is, that is the way that is his attitude. And as Jesse pointed out with his question, and I think we all knew the answer. He's been reinforced his whole fucking life with this. Well, you know, Tony, if you keep doing this, something bad might happen. You know, Tony, if you keep doing this, something bad might happen. Tony, we're going to trade you. And if you don't change, something bad might happen to you. Tony, we're going to take a chance on you in Arizona. If you don't change, though, something, might bad, something bad might happen to you. Sorry, Tony, we got to trade you to the Rangers. Guys, we're going to put him in the lineup. But if he doesn't change, something bad might happen. Like, What's he supposed to do? The guy's never been forced to change. They're going to trade you to Madison Square Garden. The world should have taught Tony how to change. The 2020 world should have taught him how to change. Like there was enough going on around him that eventually he's got to learn. And I don't know if he's ever going to earn a sixth shot at a at a t- at a hockey team. You know, I don't I don't know if well, I, there's been so much going on in terms of just life that if he didn't learn at this point, like you do deserve another chance. Well, I wonder if, you know, that that takes him overseas because that seems to be the place where we, you know, Bill Peters is hanging out over there and there's other people. It seems like, you know, the KHL might be very interested. So, okay, so let me chime in there because whenever you bring up the KHL, I'm contractually obligated to talk about them. At what point <laughs> you got the you got the experience with them, man? <laughs> well, well, okay, it's a very good hockey league, and the players in that league are a very good hockey league. And then they, you know, look look at Kirill uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Oh my God! And he was over there. And people are like, yeah, he's putting up those numbers, but it's over there. Wait till he gets to the NHL. He's even better over here right? It's a fantastic hockey league that is in danger. Um, Maybe it's a little bit past in danger of becoming the fuck up league. And at what uh, KHL team should be like, are we the fuck up team? Are we the team? Are we the team or league that people go to when they fuck up? Do you, is that what you want to be known as? That's a great way to always be silver medal. It's a great way to always be below the NHL and stay there forever. Listen, if you think you're below the NHL, um, you need to at least have aspirations of passing them one day. You got to at least believe that one day we can rival the national hockey league, but you will always be the fuck up league. 
if you keep, hey, oh, well, you know, this guy got suspended for being an asshole to absolutely everybody. But tell you what, here are several giant brown bags of money. Because that's how he's going to get paid, by the way, based on every rumor ever. It's that league cannot be where people go because they were awful. Awful at hockey. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe you can make it at the KHL level, but you were, I don't know. It, it bothers me and it, it would bother me if I still work for them. You know what I mean? I'd be like, really? This is the, I, it would make me feel bad as a KHL employee. If I still was one to, Oh no, I work for the fuck up league. Have some pride is all it, I'm asking. You hear that a lot from people who are fans of the CFL in terms of like, hey, let's take on Chad Johnson. He failed out of the NFL. Let's take on Jan- Johnny Manziel. You know, so I, I understand that you want some more pride in your league where it's just, hey, we're not just the the trash heap for the other, the big time league. And what a clown show that Johnny Manziel oh, yeah. CFL experiment was. Just, I feel bad for the city of Montreal with that one. What a joke. Yeah. And COVID saved them from it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, from another run of run at him. Yeah, because they were going to do it again. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, just a total, total fucking clown show. But so I, I think at the end of this, the Rangers are going to have some questions to answer, and I doubt they'll answer them. But they have got to figure out what they are allowing and what their tolerance is, and they've got to change it. This is not, you know, you're a team that is on the rise. There is a ton of young players on your roster, a ton of young players. You cannot have young players exposed to this and you've now lost Liz Anderson's a defenseman is he not mm, I don't remember I want to say forward okay well you've now lost very good player a very good player in him and you've lost you know on paper a very good player in D'Angelo because you couldn't get him to get his shit together and the thing is if you want to pick up a guy like that you're taking on the responsibility of cleaning up his act and getting his shit together you are you know and 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 so the Rangers bear some responsibility in this too because they let quote Tony be Tony and that, that cannot continue. That cannot continue. Can't have people leaving town because a guy is like, it's just not, it's just not something that you can run a, a great organization on. And I think there, I hope there are questions for the Rangers uh, head office that they actually have the balls to answer. I doubt it because PR would probably tell them not to, but there is some serious, I think there's something in the water there right now. And maybe they think getting rid of D'Angelo will be, uh, the the thing that saves them, and they might be right, but I think getting D'Angelo in the first place might have been part of the problem. It's a it's a whole other situation. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, like I don't know what you do with D'Angelo now if you're the Rangers, other than let him sit, pay him, and then uh, um, I don't know. Like, can you suspend him for the rest of the year? Can you you can't buy him out? You're not going to mutually terminate because he's not in violation really of anything in his contract that would warrant that. Unless right, he just wants to... out of hockey, you know? Yeah, I'd stay but in hockey for of, $9.6 yeah. million. Dollars. <laughs> Me too. I'd, 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 sit, I, I'd sit through it for the buyout, for sure. I'd, I'd figure it out. Um, the, <laughs> the, I mean, if a team is not going to have a problem with paying a player not to play for them, uh, you know, the, the Rangers are already doing plenty of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're paying an army uh, to not play for them right now uh kevin shattenkirk uh is making like six million bucks uh and against the cap and he's like two teams removed uh from them um 
Yeah, that's a difficult one with the mutual termination because if you tried, like if you tried to establish grounds, um, what the final straw was my client got punched in the face. So you don't get to pay him millions of dollars. I don't think so. Uh, so I don't, I don't think they're going to win that battle. Um, what I think happens is he sits for quite some time. And I do think he probably eventually gets traded. Um, but for the purpose of a buyout, that's what I think happens. Um, you know, maybe he goes off into the wilderness and plays in another league and he comes back in a few years, but, uh, I think for now, Tony D'Angelo is done in the National Hockey League. Yep. And I guess we'll find out what happens with the Rangers this afternoon whenever that press conference takes place and uh, kind of take it from there. But that's where the story stands as of right now. And uh, just to leave it with uh, one last tweet here from Larry Brooks of the uh, New York Post, likelihood of D'Angelo being claimed slim to none. Obviously, this happened before the, 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 uh, the waivers, but obviously he wasn't claimed. He said, but... Trade might be possible if the New York Rangers are willing to take money back either by keeping 50% of the 4.8 or taking another contract back. And I don't know who is willing to make that trade. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if they can afford that. I don't know if the Rangers can afford that. They're already paying an army not to play for them. Well, if you take another $4.8 million contract back just to swap for swap. That's tough. Tough. Yeah. They got themselves into the situation. They didn't have to sign him this summer. They oh, knew what kind of guy he was. I do not feel bad for the organization. <laughs> yeah, I, tough, but the players, sure, who have to who are now sitting in the aftermath. You know who I haven't heard speak? Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> you know, because he doesn't have to. Um, it's all these guys. Like it it sucks that like Alexander Georgiev is going to have to talk about this. Keandre Miller is going to have to talk about this. Chris Kreider is going to have to talk about this, you know? Mm-hmm. He's a yep. pain in the ass and he's not even on the team anymore. Pain yeah. in the ass. And we're ignoring all the... <laughs> we basically haven't mentioned the Trump and Parler stuff and all that stupid, goofy shit. Like, just what an unending pain in the ass. Yep. Yeah. I You know, once... Once they're done with this little shockwave of press, I think the feeling in the Rangers dressing room is going to be one of immense relief. Sure. They might. <laughs> Don't be surprised if you see the Rangers go on a winning streak after this. You know, <laughs> honestly. Honestly. A rejuvenated team. Yeah. Just like, thank God we're done with that shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if you're a Ranger and you know Tony D'Angelo's M.O., and you've dealt with him the last couple of years, and you saw that he's, you know, you know they're trying to trade him because everybody knows. Everybody knows when someone's getting traded. And uh, you know this summer they're trying to trade him. And then they, you see that he resigns. And you're like, fuck, this guy's going to be in camp. Well, and, like, <laughs> and, we got to deal sorry, with before, Tony shit. Yeah, again. Yeah. Oh, Tony shit. But it, sorry, one, one last thing. Adam, sure. you mentioned they were trying to trade him before the bubble. Uh, that's the word. The word is that they were trying to trade him since mid last season. It could be as early as March, but I don't know. Okay, so let's assume that's true. Um, let's assume that's true. Tony we D'Angelo. We'll never know if that, that's true. We'll never know. Sure. But let's assume, or let's go forward with the assumption that that's true. His contract, his $9.6 million contract was signed October 15th. So this is the Rangers. They're trying to trade a guy, but they're obviously still trying to recoup value by signing him to that deal. How's that value looking now? Yep. 
took a big good. risk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. They got bit and I'm having a real hard time feeling bad. Well, and, and, and be honest. I mean, the, the Jeff Gordon management group in New York has done an incredible job up to this point. Really? They've done an incredible job and mm-hmm. sort of everybody was sort of looking to them uh, to say like, what's the, what's the model? Cause they turned it around. It was a such a quick seasons. rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. Like they did what the Ottawa senators said they were going to do. Right. The Ottawa senators are not, not anywhere close. The, the Rangers are. Uh, but unfortunately what you deal with sometimes is uh, some pretty big mistakes along the way. And I think there's a lot, I would bet guys, there's a lot of NHL teams watching this going file that one away for later. Next time we got a problematic case. And like, is that not a good thing? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 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 It sucks that it had to happen. Like it really does. It sucks that it had to happen for evidently a long time. But um, if that's what it takes, I guess change is slow. I'm not, I don't love it, but it is what it is. Right. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. It's going to be a very interesting uh, afternoon and and week and we'll see what happens. And if any team does trade for them, what their explanation for trading for them is. You know, we've seen worst cases traded in sports before. And I'm thinking specifically of when the Blue Jays traded uh, uh, Roberto Ozuna to the uh, 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 Astros. The Astros, the Astros yeah. after his abuse case. Um, you know, and, and the Astros having to explain that to their locker room. You know, so it's, it's happened before. This can happen. Did, did it, Tony D'Angelo's Twitter persona make this a bigger story? A hundred percent. Yes. hundred yes. percent. Without question. Everything he did this year doubled this story. That should 100% give NHL teams pause. It should a hundred percent give NHL teams pause. This guy created, created noise that was not equal to the player he was. And it wasn't good noise. This mm-hmm. wasn't a guy going, you know, th- this isn't, you know, a third pair defenseman who has a podcast that people find cute. You know, this this is a guy who was just an asshole. <laughs> an asshole. That's the word that keeps coming up. He was just awful on, forget every team, forget every league, on every platform. And then he went to, I am leaving this platform to go to a platform specifically designed for assholes that he said with pride. Mm-hmm. And that's the last we've heard of him. And, uh, Oh, Can we keep hang- it that way? He's Pretty hanging please? out on a parlor with John Tesh and Nicole Arbor. <laughs> Is John? T- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into John that Tesh. One. On- John Tesh tweeted out that he's, I, uh, he's I on think, parlor. I think he didn't know what he was tweeting. <laughs> I think he knew exactly what he was tweeting. I don't know. You're not. You cannot give John Tesh a pass. You cannot give him a pass. I want to know who runs John Tesh's social media. Well, whatever it is, that's some information for your life. Plot twist: It's Nicole Arbor. <laughs> there you go. Sign well, I mean, up for two is, accounts. This is the thing. And listen, if you're, I, I, that's why I want to take the politics out of it because obviously the guy is a conservative. Like whatever. Yeah. I and and I don't particularly enjoy. I didn't enjoy the way Steve. I know, but I I don't. I didn't enjoy the way. There are cons- people that I know that vote conservative in this country that are. People I disagree with politically, but it doesn't mean that they're like, I, it doesn't mean that they're as aggressive about it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a very, um, it's a very aggressive form of whatever it was. And I, I think that that unfortunately clouds what really is important here. I don't give a shit what Tony D'Angelo votes for. I really don't. 
uh, I care how he treats other people. That's when I start to get, okay, well, that's, that's interesting now. Um, otherwise, he was just, you know, he, he was the same. He's the same as every other a-hole yelling into the void on Twitter. He just happened to play for the Rangers and had like 20,000 followers. And that should tell you something, by the way. Here's a guy who plays for the Rangers, accumulates 22,000. That's it? That's surprising. I did notice that. Very interesting. Anyway, um, okay. Let's be done with him. Please. Let's be done with him. Pretty, let's not be please. done with the Edmonton Oilers. Now, oh, it's funny. My God. Uh, I do want to shout out the Vancouver Canucks and the Canucks fans in my DMs after. See, I think. I think people think that I'm personally attacking them when I bring up a story. My job on this show is to introduce a topic and then we all discuss it, right? So, but the thing is, is that because I'm the guy that introduces it, everybody thinks, because my, my question last show was, should we be worried about the Canucks? Right. And a bunch of people were like, you're a fucking idiot. Can't believe you. Cannot believe you. They've won three in a row since then. Well, they had What did I point. say? What did I say? I don't know. Habs fans hate the Leafs. Yep. Oilers fans hate Leafs fans. Canucks fans hate Leafs coverage. Right. Leafs haven't even played them yet. And I see tweets nonstop comparing Pedersen to Matthews. And why do the Leafs keep getting the spotlight? And I'm like, but you haven't even played them. I'll take, uh, I'll, I'll take conversations about Pedersen versus Matthews. Those are fun. Those are fun conversations. I'll have that conversation. Sure, sure. That's great. Sure. But like the, the whole thing is like, I, my job here is to bring this up. So I'm bringing this up. Here is what we're talking about. The Canucks, what, things third place in the fast. division. Things change quickly, right? The Edmonton, Canucks, who have played the most games in the NHL, are third in the division. Yes? Right. They were never going to be first, we don't think. But hey, who the heck knows? It could always change. Uh, I do want to read this tweet from Scott Wheeler. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have a combined 42 points in 11 games this season. And their team is about to improve to a Sterling 5-6 and six record to show for it. And just like that, he follows it up, make it 43 points in 11 games. Now, it is sort of goofy uh, how much those two have played. And I believe Connor McDavid, if I'm not mistaken, he is the leader right now at 22 points in less than 12 games. Um, the This is the wild part. He's on pace for 120 points in 56 games. Stupidity. Like, he could have won. Somebody <laughs> tweeted it out, and I forget who it was, and I apologize. On, in Over an 82-game schedule, if he gets that 126 points, he would have won 10 of the last 11 scoring titles. I think it was That's Thomas absurd. Drance. Was it Drance? And Hell of a tweet. Drysidle over the last 82 games has had the best scoring pace. I want to say it was since 1996. That's flipping crazy. It's crazy. By the way, Stupid. just want to throw this at you. Uh, who is number six in NHL scoring right now? No looking. Mitch Marner. No. Number six? Number uh, six in NHL scoring. This is a very important note. No, Mitch is. He's, he's number three. Yeah. He's, oh, he's yeah, ahead of Nate higher. McKinnon. Oh. Yeah. Good guess, though. Well, it's uh, oh, better than your answer. Jake Vrana. No, not even in the top 10. He's not? No. Uh, not in that's what he was. I'm not talking about goals. I'm talking about sports. What conference? Nope. That's not what it – oh, what conference? Yeah. Oh, God. The conferences are all new. What – uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> so oh, Western my God. Team or, or what division? What I division are we talking about? Yeah, I guess there are about conferences the, this the year. The Mass Mutual East Division. Not, okay, East Division. Cody CC. No. <laughs> Although we did get a ton of tweets. Apparently he's playing great in Pittsburgh and, I, and good for him. That's great. I don't know. Pittsburgh listen. fans. I was once like you. Yeah. Listen, if he has a couple good games, I'm happy for you. 
Who is it? Steve is yet to guess. I, no, I said Vrana. Oh, you said Vrana? Oh, okay. James Van Reemsdyke. What? Oh, Playoff <laughs> healthy scratch, James Van Reemsdyke with 13 points in 10 games. Wow. Cool, right? And the Flyers aren't even that good, right? Well, no, they're second in the division. They're doing okay. Oh, they're second. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, Didn't they're doing even fine. notice. They're well, fine. It's been really hard to keep up this year. The furious pace. This is the first multi-day break the Leafs have had all season. By the way, five of those points coming on the power play, which is James Van Reemsdyke's specialty. So, oh, wow. seven, two, and one, four game winning streak. Go Flyers. Yeah, no kidding. Go. They're a good team. They are a um, very good team. So, Connor McDavid, 22 points in 11 games. Leon Drysaddle, 21 points in 11 games. Oilers, five and six. Guys. Oh, my God. At what point does Edmonton go into an offseason and go, we have a goaltending problem? Uh, well, and Koskinen, I think, has been fine like he considering he's had to play every game so far mm-hmm. except for last night uh he's done an okay job and with the compressed schedule and everything the oilers situation is so trash they started Stuart skinner last night mm-hmm. um and this ottawa senators should have seen his name on the card yep gone oh god we're that bad and like I'm I'm not trying to insult Stuart Skinner, but like that dude had a sub nine hundred save percentage in the AHL. And the Oilers are using him because Troy Grossnick just got there. Um, and they just need to get uh Koskin in some time. Those guys, those guys lost to a sub nine hundred AHL goaltender playing for a team on the second half of a back to back. I you know what? I think the Leafs could lose however many games this season, mm-hmm. a couple dozen at least. And the one I will still die the most mad about <laughs> is the one to the Sens. You can't yeah. drop points to the Sens. Now that they're without Shabbat, now the Sens know what it's like to have a Riley Zaitsev top pair. Unfortunately, it's the wrong M. Riley. It's Mike Riley and Nikita Zaitsev. They, their seventh guy they showed I've never even heard of before. Like, Matt Murray, we talked about this. Whoa. We talked Whoa. about this. Okay, the first, goal, the first goal wasn't his fault last night. But second two before he got pulled. Oh, yeah. my He's God. giving them no shot. Nothing. No shot. Like Matt this had is... two bad years in a row. If you're if we're starting, like, hey, this is a bad year for him, and he might not get his game back ever because goalies just fall off, and this might be Matt. He's twenty six. Like, how is this possible? Goalies twenty six, man. Weirdest. This is why people call them voodoo. Like, that I know is... it's lazy analysis, but like that a player can just ooh, I forget. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's my and... coldest take of all time. By the way, I was like, Leafs, you got to go and get Matt Murray. Wrong. <laughs> I forgot. Well, like, things, coldest things can, take I've ever had. It's terrible. Don't things can happen in your life. You know, uh, there's a huge mental aspect to being a goaltender. Um, you know, little injuries become big ones very fast. Um, and the defense in front of him is atrocious. It's terrible. And he's playing McDavid and Drysaddle, but pff, he's even worse than I think what most bad projections would have been. Mm-hmm. There's no shot. He was good against the Leafs. Remember that? Yeah. And yet Matt Murray has a higher save percentage than Freddie Anderson. Does he? 
Yep. 897 Freddie Anderson's is 892. Now I do have to say in fairness, I haven't, it's not like I've watched a ton of Ottawa Senators well, hockey outside of the Leafs games. The difference, Steve, is that Freddie Anderson. Oh, sorry, Matt Murray's got an eight four nine. I'm lying to you. Yeah. I was gonna, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, Thomas Price has got the eight nine seven. But here's the difference, right? So Freddie Anderson's got an eight nine two three oh one goals against average, which isn't great. Matt Murray's no. goals against average over seven games. Can you guess what it is? Uh, I believe it's f- above four. So I, I I took a peek at this stat just for last night's game, not on the season. Because he got pulled, Jesse, his goals against average was 25. Okay. Last night. <laughs> so, and he's only played, what was it, seven games? Seven games. Yeah. I got to say it's like, I got to say it's like six. No, Jesse was closer. 482. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you guys, you guys are right God. in the middle. So Jesse said something over four and you said it's, like, it's not good. It's not good. It's not a great start. There's lots of time, but ooh. Uh, and, you know, the difference is the Leafs can cover up uh, bad defense sometimes with some goal scoring. Uh, Freddie's also better. been winning. Like, yeah. been winning. the Leafs have lost two games and won an OT. Like, they've yeah. been winning. I want to I want to say something, too. So I was, I was texting uh, someone about this today. Uh, I, wish, I wish you could organize it, and I'm sure there's sites that offer this. I wish you could organize it. So that three on three save percentage is removed from your overall save percentage and kept somewhere separately. Cause Freddie allowed one goal on one shot in the overtime against the Oilers. It was a two on one from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. In three on three overtime. It's not the same. There were two shots in that overtime. One was a breakaway that was stopped. And the other was a two on one from the last two reigning MVPs, I think. <laughs> That's absurd. I actually agree with that. I, I do think, not just because of Freddie's case, because I could, I really don't care about the, 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 the percentage of the other. Yeah, I don't think it's the same game. <laughs> like, it's really. It's not. You, it's they not, have, uh, you could just look up five on five save percentage. Right. The average fan That's isn't going to do that. There you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, now. It's like, it's, like, um, it's like a shootout that counts towards your stats. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now, I, I want to bring up a couple stats that I find kind of interesting going back to the Edmonton situation. Here's the thing. The Edmonton Oilers have talent on defense. We know that, right? But the Edmonton Oilers are not going to play defense. They flat out refuse. So the reason I keep saying Edmonton needs to go and get a great goaltender is because they're not going to play defense. And like you see some of the charts and stuff, and uh, we were make we were, you know, um, poking fun at Dom LeCision earlier, but, um, you know, uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl don't rate well on defense. Well, boo fucking who? They score with their $20 million in combined salary, the same as Marner Matthews, Nylander, and uh, uh, Tavares do with their $40 million. They do. They're very efficient with money and scoring. They are The Leafs' top four are worth 40 points right now, just about. Uh, Edmonton's worth more with the top two. Pretty amazing. But if you look at the way that they play defense, it's atrocious it's terrible and they have on paper pretty good team worth of defense and so the reason i say they get, they're going to need to get some other goaltender is because it's it's not because Mikko koskinen's bad he's made the most saves in the nhl this year he's had the most ice time by over 100 minutes by over 120 minutes he needs help he saved 325 shots the next closest is John Gibson in Anaheim with 254. How many games has Mikko Koskinen played, guys? How many games has John Gibson played? Koskinen's played 10? Yep. How many games has John Gibson played? 
Eight? Nine. Damn. He's 70 shots up on John Gibson. One game. That's stupid. That's so. And I know Mike Smith got hurt. I know Mike Smith got hurt, but like, come on, we were saying heading into the season, he's not good. He's not good. Um, yeah, man, that's not good enough. Also, uh, you want to make an Oilers fan big sad. Um, Andreas Athanasiu in seven games with the LA Kings, three goals, two assists, five points on a one point two million dollar contract. Now they were never going to get him at that price. I. I'm going to say regardless of what the cap situation was, they should have found a way to make that work. Well, especially because you gave up two seconds for him. Yes. So this is the thing. I was going to say, well, this summer they should have gone out and they should have tried to get um, Jake Markstrom. Well, they tried. Yeah. They tried. Players don't want to sign there. So you got to draft really well and you got to make some really shrewd trades. And with fantasy, you gave up two seconds for a guy you got nine not very good games out of, and you just went, well, you can't whelp. Like, to me, you st- I, I, to walk away from a trade where you gave up two seconds for a guy, no. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough. You can't do it. If you got to re-sign that guy, and you got to salvage it. If, you, if they were winning, it would be like, ah, who cares? But they're not. And they should be. It's crazy to me that, like, if they win one play-in round against the Blackhawks, like, they probably re-sign him. Yeah. He gets, like, one goal in game four and they win or something. Like, uh, you cannot – that team cannot afford to give up two assets like that and just drop the guy after less than a dozen games. You can't. You can't. It's not good enough. It's not good enough, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how they surround. Listen, if they ever find a way to surround Drysidle and McDavid with like a mediocre uh, offense around them, they're like, who is, you know, remember when Kessel got to completely just take advantage of every team's third pair in the 2016 playoffs? HBK. At the mm-hmm. HBK line, they just got to run amok because they were taking on lower competition than they should be. Like someone on the Oilers one day is going to have this like 30, 40 po- uh, goal uh, season out of nowhere. Uh, just because, I don't know, you have to plan around McDavid. You have to plan around Dreisaitl. And if the Oilers separate them, it's it has to be. I know the Leafs were like, oh well, you know we can't we can't just the whole game plan can't just be about shutting it down. A uh, little bit, might be a little bit. What are you supposed to do? There well, you do have no to score counter attack. The Leafs didn't there's, score, right? There's, but there's there's no counter attack for those two. You you put uh, anybody. I think Yamamoto could be that guy one day. I really mm-hmm. like him. Pulleyarv is taking too much grief. Um, he's just had bad luck i think the puck is going to go in for him there's hope there but at like as a hockey fan i'm i'm dying for the oilers to to break through to because mcdavid especially this year like for for a team like the leafs and for a team like the oilers you are you are being gift wrapped a golden opportunity here and for one of you to not make even the playoffs you you got to blow the whole thing up (laughs) 
Well, and I, I, I wonder, honestly, and I could regret this, but I'm going to ask the question. Oh, let's go. Don't say it. <laughs> no, the question is, have we seen what the Oilers are? Uh, they've been this for long enough. Yes. Like, have they not? Like, that's that's my question. It's like everybody keeps putting the caveat. Well, they're bad now, but what if? They're bad now, but what if? They're okay now, but what if? They're in the playoffs, but what? You know, oh, we got them now, and then they're not out. Well, then the play in, and no, they lost to the shitty Blackhawks. Like, really, Chicago is not a good team, and they weren't a good team last year. And they got worse. And they got worse. They did get worse. But re, like, realistically. How much of the Oilers do you need to see? I'm not talking about McDavid. I'm not talking about Dreisaitl. How much do you need to see to say, no, don't have it? But it always seems like for the last like three years, they're like two fixes away. Just goaltending and maybe like one other just help on the back end. But they're just so seems- constricted, they can't make that that change. Yeah, but it, it, if they can find a way, if they can get lucky and find a way just to make a couple moves, it always seems like they're that close because they have McDavid and Drysaddle and Nuge and Nurse and Clefbaum. And it seems well, like, hey, you got this core that's like right there and you just need to put in a couple more puzzle pieces and management can't figure out how to make that work. And Clefbaum being out hurts them. It sucks. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's just <sighs> who knows maybe they put it together it's it's very early in the season yep um yep absolutely i can see them putting it together like this is why i never this is i never really bet always, against them we we're always, always talk say. about that steve though we're always saying i could see it yeah you're right when you're 100 right you're 100 right and maybe yeah. they do after this, but you ha- you ha- it is inarguable to this point the Edmonton Oilers have put nothing together. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of Oilers fans who are like, what have the Leafs done? And I will agree with that. The, at least they make, the least Oilers, make the playoffs, at least. The Oilers do have a second-round appearance in this era, if you want to count it that. Well, Only four people, years ago. People will say that to me like my entire life is not based around yelling about the Leafs. Yeah, <laughs> as if you're a homer. <laughs> Yeah, like, like for, we love the Leafs, but boy, they're disappointing. What what does that say? What does this what is it? How do you read that? The Leafs are better than the Oilers? Is that what that says? Well, Just this are. team is ruining my life. They I, are better than the Oilers, by the way. They are better. The Leafs haven't won a cup since 67. Thank you. Wow. For that brand new information that you provided to me. Also, well documented. I friggin' know. Also, it has been 30 years since Edmonton won one. I know they were in the finals in 06, but it has been 30 years. Yep. What's the Habs argument? Like, well, we won in 93. Cool. Uh, how about it's been an extraordinarily long time for all of us, and we all stink. Yep. If we all have several decades of stinkage behind us. What? What? Yeah. None what of us really can at? talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> We've reached the point where no Canadian team can brag but, about it. But anything. this isn't shit talking. This is honest. What? What? What have you seen from the Oilers outside of McDavid and Drysaddle that leads you to believe that they're going to change anything that's going on? I don't, I'm talking even management. I mean, they've stabilized a little bit since Ken Holland got there. But as you said, not re-signing a Thanasiu for two second rounders for nine games. I know that COVID, nobody was predicting it. I get it. But wow. Like, and you can't, as Steve said, you can't afford that. So Ooh. we'll see what happens. They are, there are, they are winning games. They've won a twice in a row now, but Ooh. here, you want to know how long it's been since a Canadian team has won the Stanley cup? Well, 93. Type, well, <laughs> yeah, 
Thank you. <laughs> Random tweeter on the internet. Oilers fan Adam over here. No, uh, I was looking up the Disney titles from 1993. Lion King. Uh, Homeward Bound. Oh. Ooh. Bonkers. Remember Bonkers? Never heard of it. That, like cheetah looking thing. Mm-hmm. Cool Runnings. Big which movie. I didn't know was a Disney film. Big movie. And The Nightmare Before Christmas. Wow. Also, the not very good Aladdin video game for Sega. Did you have Dude. that? Uh, no, but my neighbor did. So, yes, I did. Uh, Jesse, it's, what year were you born in? 92. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah. I was going to say, it's just it's funny when you look at Edmonton's roster from top to bottom and the lack of acquired talent in terms of their top-end players and just guys who have stepped up and like been a difference maker. It's all been kind of – it's been draft picks, and there hasn't been really uh, management going out and finding the guy to plug in to actually help the lineup. You know, they've gotten real lucky because they've had the first overall pick a bunch of times, and you can't really miss with that. And in terms of just acquiring guys who will make your NHL team win, they haven't displayed that skill in, like, the last five years. Seven, eight? I mean, Barry Barry and Larson on the back end are the ones that they didn't draft, right? I like what I've seen. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I like what I've seen out of certain guys like Cahoon. There's something there. Mm-hmm. Archibald. There's something there. Um, Cuckoo. There, there's something there, but is, is it enough? Right. This is the problem. Is it enough? Yeah. Well, we'll see. Not so I mean, far. We're, 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 we keep waiting for the Oilers to explode. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Do you want to play them in the playoffs? Not really. Well, no, no. I don't care how weak they look. It's, dude, I do not want four to seven games of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah. That's horrible. That's terrifying. No, well, thank Chicago you. saw it and they took care of it. So I'm not too worried. You know, and there's that. <laughs> uh, are you guys ready for Julian McKenzie? Oh, yeah. Is he no. here? Yes, he is. So bringing on Julian McKenzie for the first time on the Steve Dangle podcast. Julian, uh, you've got. I know you're CTV Montreal. I know you've got 8 million podcasts. Can you run down your resume for people that don't know you? And then we're going to okay. talk Victor Mete and Sam Bennett. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I do weather for uh, CTV Montreal. I work as a desker for uh, the Canadian Press Newswire on their sports side. I am a live blogger for Montreal Canadiens Games for the Montreal Gazette, as well as their host of their weekly YouTube show, Hockey Inside Out. I sometimes make appearances on the Yahoo Sports podcast with Justin Cuthbert. I sometimes uh, contribute to them once a week as well. Um, I'm missing a few things. TSN 690, I sometimes fill in with them uh, on occasion, of course. I I think that, oh, the Watch Mojo podcast I have, the Waterboys podcast, we drop episodes every Tuesday. Uh, so I, th- I think that's everything. I and think it's J- that's Jesus. everything. It's JKA McKenzie on Twitter if you yeah. want to follow him. Now, Julian, you had a story that was very, very interesting, specifically to Montreal Canadiens fans, but also to Calgary Flames fans uh, this weekend. And that is both Darren Ferris clients, Sam Bennett, and Victor Mete requesting trades from their respective teams. Now, uh, for anybody that doesn't know this, obviously you've got uh, – Pierre Lebrun, one of the, the biggest names in hockey, texting Mark Bergevin and saying, hey, Mark, uh, any truth to this? And Mark Bergevin saying, no, and we're not trading him. And now Victor Mete is playing tonight. You confirmed through Darren, I'm assuming through, I don't know, is it Darren yeah. or somebody else yeah. that yes, they in fact Darren. did request a trade? So explain what the disconnect in Montreal was there. Like what's going on? 
The best thing I can say is I'll I'll be truthful. I'll be truthful here. Um, like I had seen that uh, all these different reports were going around that uh, a trade had been asked for by Mete, and I, I noticed a few people were confirming. And I was doing my shift with CP at the time, and I was just doing my due diligence and just trying to get the news confirmed for myself. And when I put the news out there upon getting confirmation, that's when I noticed all these people are like, oh, so who's lying? And I'm like, what's what's everyone talking about? So at the time when I had confirmed the news, I had no clue that, you know, Mark Bergevin had gone out and had said that, uh, you know, at least through Pierre Lebrun, that Victor Mete uh, apparently did not want out or said what he had said. So in terms of the disconnect between those two sides here, I, I, I wouldn't say that be, I would be able to, to paint that great of a picture but what i think is just really interesting is that victor mete is a 22 year old defenseman who finds himself on the outside looking in with their core and in any other year he's a guy who you could plug in in the core with the team that they have this is a guy who started out his career essentially playing minutes with shea weber because of some of the deficiencies they had in their core but of course with with the inclusion of joel edmondson uh, with with Brett Kulak playing at a much different level than we've seen in the past, and with Alexander Romanov, he's he's a huge key in all of this, stepping up and and playing really well. Uh, it kind of took Victor Mete out of the lineup, but now of course we're we're seeing him in a position where he may end up playing with uh, with Romanov in his first game uh, of the season, but. I think just the way the lineup was constructed and, and the fact that they were seeing early success with this team, it just kind of made it hard for Victor Mete to go in. That being said, I think, and you're seeing it now, if it got to a point where the Canadians were going to have to make changes to their lineup, Victor Mete wasn't far off. I don't think they were going to call Kale Fleury first. I don't think they were going to call Xavier Wallet first. Otto Leskinen's not getting that call up before Victor Mete. So I was really surprised that uh, the the trade request news had gone out and and, you know, it's not to say that his place, I mean, I get his, his starting lineup is gone, but I don't think he was so out of the picture that the Canadians weren't going to use him at all. So I was very surprised at that. Do you think he got what he wanted? Because now he's in the lineup after the report and everything. I mean, that's a good question. Like, I, I think... I. I... <laughs> Good on you, Steve. You ask good questions. You ask good questions. It's my thinking, right? Like, I I feel if if I think I get the sense Victor just wants to play. I bring up his age again at 22 years old. He's not 26. He's not closer to his peak. He's not 32. He still has ways to go in his development. And I mean, statistically speaking, it's not like the biggest jump but like this was a guy who was begging for his first nhl goal he has at least four or five to his name now there's a progression when you when you look at his stats from his first year to now so this is a guy if he was playing regular minutes you'd think he'd he'd be able to make more of a step up this is just a guy who i think just wants to play minutes whether it's here in montreal or 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 somewhere else so i think it depends on whether or not the canadians decide to keep him in the lineup or if the Canadians decide to grant his wishes and say they trade him to a Vancouver or Winnipeg, or I think he, I've heard Pittsburgh's name being thrown out as well. I mentioned those first two names because those are two teams I could think of that uh, definitely would need help on defense. I know some people would be like, oh, why would you trade him to a North Division rival? But hey, if you need help on defense, some teams are just going to come calling no matter which division you're in. Mm-hmm. Do you, what would you, what would you cap it out at? Like, what do you, do you think that Brunk Bergevin, because he's not a guy that likes to be bullied at all, ever. Uh, how do, what do you cap this at? Is this something where it just goes away? Uh, or is this something where Mark Bergevin goes, okay, we're listening to offers a la PK Subban? I mean, like, it's funny. It's funny you said PK Subban because I, 
when Mark Bergevin had said that uh, Victor Mete was not someone he wanted to trade, Pique was the first person I thought of. And I think I brought it up to Justin Cuthbert. He's like, well, those are two different situations. But when you think of the fact that Mark Bergevin has gone out of his way to be like, uh, I don't know if I want to trade this guy or whatever, you can't help but think that. So I'm very glad you said Pique Subban. Um, I'll say that in terms of offers for Victor Mete, I'm not in his head. I'm not in Mark Bergevin's head. But if there's enough interest being drummed out there, at some point, you can't really just ignore it. But, like, I can't think that they're going to get – there's no way you're getting, like, a massive impact player in, in instead of Victor Mete. I could totally see a situation where, like, another team might have a disgruntled player who might need a change of scenery. You flip him for that, which, I mean – you essentially get the same guy back. I think the Canadians, if they get a body back for Victor Mete, that's cool. I also am not opposed. If I was Mark Bergevin, you guys could tell me I'm wrong. If some team comes out the woodworks and says, you know what? We know you don't use Victor Mete as your seventh defenseman. Here's a high draft pick for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. You you get a high draft pick for a guy you weren't really going to use in this formation of the lineup. And I guess it also depends on how Mark Bergman feels about the guys behind him. I know I mentioned Fleury and and Willette, but Fleury's a guy who has a little over 40 games experience and he played pretty well to start off his career. He kind of faded out a little bit, but that's a guy who could use some a bit more experience. Well, that's a guy who played for the Detroit Red Wings and has NHL minutes before he ended up in the Canadians organization. Like that's, I don't think the Canadians are going to be that bad off if Wallet ends up getting plugged in into the lineup. And I mean, if you're trying to find a better seven defenseman, I think there are harder journeys to go through if you're a general manager, uh, as opposed to like if you need like a number one center, for example. So I think if Mark Bergman finds himself in a position where he has offers he can't refuse, like at some point, you're just going to have to listen to them. Or, hey, maybe an injury will happen in the defense core and, and Victor Mete will end up getting time anyway. So right. we'll have to see. I mean, he kicked off his career pretty well. I remember everybody was talking about when that when he first stepped on the ice. You guys remember that? Like how mm-hmm. how what a what a bang he came in and made in Montreal uh, in a pretty dark time to be a Canadiens fan. So it's very, very interesting to see this now happening. Now, uh, Julian, obviously, Sam Bennett's a part of this as well. Uh, he's also a Darren Ferris client, and I guess it was just Darren Ferris Day yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but uh, or every day is Darren Ferris Day. Uh, but um, Sam Bennett has been, you know, high draft pick in Calgary has never quite worked out the way he or the flames wanted to. And obviously he's not getting the ice time that he wants to get what he thinks he can do so he can actually produce. Um, did you get any insights on, I mean, beyond what I just said, I mean, do you get any insights on how that happened, what happened and what they would like to do next? What I'm getting What's really interesting about that is I also did some reading after the fact. Um, There was a report out in Sportsnet, I think from Eric Francis, and that the the, the Flames were a bit blindsided by by the the trade request because and and the way that article reads is it makes it seem as if they had no clue that this was even happening which kind of leads me to believe that maybe Sam Bennett just kind of had his idea of wanting to get out and then told Darren and maybe they just kind of never got around to formally making that trade request but I I think of Sam Bennett as a guy who I don't know his age off top, but a guy who essentially through his production, he's a middle lineup player in Calgary. And I'm not sure, just like I kind of suggested with Victor Mete, maybe another team who might be interested might want to just kind of flip another guy who might need a change of scenery. I'm not sure what the potential is like for, for Sam Bennett, right? Like, I'm not sure if he's a guy who your team, if you're another team in the NHL, you're like, man, you know what? This is the guy who could fit our our scheme perfectly. We're going to do everything we can to get this guy in. And I wonder, considering all the time he spent in Calgary, if 
you pretty much have an idea who this guy is. Like he's not going to be your number one guy in the lineup. Like he's just like a, you know, like a somewhat decent player. You need him for depth. That's not a bad guy to get. I don't think he's somebody you need to kind of just, you know, throw your money at. And in terms of what the team is was saying, and and I know I mentioned before that yeah, it through some reports that have gone out there, it seemed as if they're a bit blindsided. Just hearing Jeff Ward kind of talk about it or try to address it as best as he can over the weekend, he he definitely got that sense. I definitely got that sense he was taken aback by the fact that it was happening, and he was just trying to be cordial about it, just saying, "Hey, he's a guy on our team," and he he and he and he commended him for how he played against the Canadians over the weekend. And I I can imagine if the Flames. Maybe the Flames, in some sense, they probably kind of like him in the role that he's at now. They might not necessarily be willing to – maybe they're not necessarily willing, but they're not racing to try to get rid of him. But I'm also just curious that I don't think teams are going to be jumping to get Sam Bennett as opposed to some other teams who might be willing to you know, part with whatever pieces they need to get to get a guy like a Victor Mete, for example. Maybe a bit lower value on the market. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Interesting. Is Is there – See, I wonder because, well, f- first of all, the the flames being blindsided, I don't necessarily believe that because Elliot Friedman was talking today. That's fair. It's not even the first time he's requested a trade uh, out of Calgary. But I wonder, do, do you think this is a case of maybe NHL teams should just wait these out? Because it seems like there's a lot of there's a lot of restlessness. There's a lot of guys who want out supposedly there's Bennett, there's Mete, there's been rumors with Dermott, there's Vince Dunn. Um, I just wonder, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm swinging outside of my education here. Uh, I don't have a psychology degree, but I just wonder if there's a restlessness that these players are feeling like we all are uh, now that we've been sort of in this situation for 10, 11 months. I mean, if you're a young guy and you believe that you can you be you're in the NHL. You're a young guy, 21, 22 years old. You're in a position where you could play on a team. And maybe you kind of believe in your abilities to the point where you're like, hey man, I could I could make a difference on this team. And I don't feel I'm being able to do that. I, I can imagine there's definitely some restlessness there. And I also wonder if some of these players are looking at guys in other leagues who I mean, there are some high profile guys in other sports like the NFL, for example, who are forcing their way out and they're thinking, you know what, like those guys are, are making it for themselves. And even if they're not necessarily on the same level, they're kind of thinking of their careers here. And they're thinking, you know what, if I'm in a situation where I'm just going to be like a fourth line player uh, or or a guy who's just kind of coming in and out of the lineup, that's not doing anything for for me. The trouble is for, for some of these guys like a Sam Bennett or a Victor Mete, though, is that I don't know they don't have nearly as much leverage as if if like a higher profile guy like a, like a Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Laine. And even those two guys we're thinking of here, those guys had to had to wait, right? Like Dubois, yeah, the, a little, the, bit, club, the little bit closer than... Protracted. It was long, Laine with yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah, Dubois yeah. at least was like a, like a few days or a few weeks or whatever, but like Laine was a much longer wait for him, right? I think for general managers, they they ultimately wield a lot of the, a lot of the power in this situation. And if they... And, and, at least for for Dubois and a line A, you don't want to be that general manager that's all like, oh, my guy wants to get out of here. I'm just getting him on the first ticket out, and you get this really crappy return. So when you're on the other side of a deal where you know you have a guy who's like a like a bit player, and especially if you're in a position now where because of COVID cases coming up or injuries or anything like that, you might need those places down. You might need those players down the line for depth. 
I'm really curious at how restless some of those GMs will be. The players, it's one thing because they want to secure their livelihoods and play. But if you're a general manager here, especially in the case of Bennett and Mete, I, unless you're getting offers from 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 GMs here that are really good or going to knock your socks off, in both those situations, I'm not sure what the big rush is to get to offload both of those players. Okay, Julian, last question before we wrap it up here. All I right, have man. been hearing it from Montreal Canadiens fans since be- before the start I of the season. It. Before the start of the season, I picked them to make the playoffs. I picked them to be great. But I think I, I said cautiously, 24th place team, Going to top of the division doesn't happen very much. It happens, but not much. Are the Montreal Canadiens the best team in the North Division? In the Scotia North Division, excuse me. Um, they look like it right now. They they look like that team. Here's the thing. I covered most of that season last year where they went through two eight-game winless streaks. They finished in 24th place. They essentially made the playoffs because of the pandemic. Adam... I totally understand where that hate was coming from. I totally get it because I saw, I looked at this team in the offseason as well, and I was like, this team needs to show me that they're better than that team that lost to Detroit four times. There's there's every reason to go into this season and be like, man, I don't know. But now you're looking, here's the big difference, and there's a big reason why Victor Mete is is a healthy scratch every night, right? They added the pieces they needed at forward and at defense and even for goaltending as well to make themselves even better than they were before. They were using all these bit players and putting them in these elevated roles. Now they have guys like Tyler Toffoli playing in natural spots. So this is a team that that's that's built itself up and it has a bit of everything you need to be taken seriously, even against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who I thought were the team to beat in this division. I know that for, it was the first game of the year and they had some tired legs here and there. The next time these two teams play against each other, the Montreal Canadiens definitely are not going into it scared. They shouldn't have any reason to be fear of the Toronto Maple Leafs as, as it should be the other way around as well. But the Canadians have everything you need to, to at least win the division. I don't know how they're going to go up against other legit teams in the NHL, but I think for right now, considering how they're built in comparison to teams like an Edmonton or Vancouver or an Ottawa, even a Calgary to a certain extent, Montreal is, I think they're the class of that division. And if not number one, they're number two, it's Toronto and Montreal for me. And everyone else kind of falls in this other scale. It's Toronto, Montreal, but I'll put Montreal slightly above Toronto here. Of course you will. <laughs> Man, you're getting a lot of hate though. Listen, you're getting a lot yeah, of hate, my brother. A lot, you're getting a, a lot, lot of hate. Deserves- you're getting plenty of hate. You do deserve a lot of hate though. You bring it out on yourself. I see there are a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans coming up in your mentions. They're all like, man, you ready to eat crows? I'm like, oh, you all the punching down. And sometimes I see them just like, you know what, Adam? You, you deserve the hate you get. You deserve loves, the hate you get. He loves it. Don't. I know he does. He rolls he in does. it. I don't like know what you're talking shit. about. You know? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Adam absolutely does. I see the I see the tweets. I'm just like, Adam, you yeah, just. Well, I mean, listen, when Montreal you. wants to beat a team that's in squarely in the top four in the division, let us know. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. What do they no, mean? No. Edmonton? Vancouver, okay, so they're third, okay. Calgary, Ottawa. Haven't beaten Winnipeg, haven't beaten Toronto. Waiting. Didn't Toronto lose to Ottawa earlier this year? We did, we did. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so what do you want about? So what do you want about? So what do you want about? Okay, we're in the, we're, okay, let, let, let's be real here. I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. We're oh, in the okay. North Division where pretty much every team, and I'll even, I mean, the Ottawa Senators are in the toilet right now. Yeah, But every other team has playoff aspirations. What, you thought everyone was just going to like beat up on each other and one team was going to win all nine games? You didn't think teams were going to lose games? Like, come on, bro, come on. 
Come on. The Montreal Canadiens will get wins over the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Leafs will get wins over the Canadiens. The Canadiens, I'm sure, at some point, are going to lose some stinker to the Ottawa Senators. And, I mean, hey, they, they lost that game in regulation to the Calgary Flames where they threw out all those shots on Jacob Markstrom, and Markstrom just played out of his head. There are some decent teams in the North Division, so no one should be surprised that, uh, you know, even if a team that's looked at as third or fourth in the division will get the better of a first or second place. So, of course, Adam, fall into I, I, his I, trap, Julian. No, yeah, this is fine. what he's no, doing. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> if Adam wants to roll, if Adam wants to roll with me, I'm with it. I'm totally with it. It's fine. No worries. No worries. Well, let me no say worries. this. Let me that say is, this. It's going to be the most polite way to call Adam a moron I've ever heard. Uh, I'm taking notes. It's, it's going to be a titanic battle when Montreal and Toronto play again. It's going to be fantastic. And the great thing about it is they'll play each other like three or four times in a week. Uh, yeah. So we're going to get it again and again and again. And you talk about teams you don't want to play in the playoffs. We were talking about this earlier. Steve was like, listen, I, I wouldn't want – imagine going up against McDavid Drysaddle as inconsistent as the Oilers have been. Um, I, Montreal, I don't want to see Josh Anderson for seven games. I don't want to see Carey Price for seven games. Shea uh, Weber playoff a, rules? Oh, God. Yeah. Matthews no is going to have to get that Thomas Holmstrom – like waistband thing that he had the plastic yeah. Wayne Wayne Simmons <laughs> is going to have to sacrifice some more teeth like seriously it's uh it's going to be a tough one man so anyway Julian McKenzie uh a man of many 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 jobs thank you so much for coming on this is not the last time it's the first of many and if you're not following Julian you need to be JKA McKenzie with not a Mac a McKenzie mm-hmm. uh on uh, on Twitter Julian thanks so much for your time Thank you so much for for spelling my name and letting everyone know it's a Mick, not a Mac. Yeah, I know you know how to spell. Yeah. I know. I now. I now know you know how to spell my name now. Well, Thank you, Adam. First time I texted Julian, I I put an A in it, and he's like, "Oh, actually, it's Mackenzie." And I was like, Sorry. "I feel," and you made me feel like such a jerk too. <laughs> what did I? What, what did I say? Yes, wow. you did. Yes, you did. What did I say? Because uh, um um. After that happened, you were like, yeah, I uh, sometimes have like a weird thing with um, <laughs> uh, with words. Sometimes or oh, letters, I, like I'll spell oh, stuff terrible. wrong. I, I, yeah, I don't and spell did anything that, right. And, I, and like, <laughs> I forget specifically what you said. I, I think you said dyslexic. I'm not sure. And I wasn't sure if you were serious. That is and true. Then I, and yes. then, I, yeah, you said that. And at first I was like, oh, man, like now I feel like a jerk. And then we started talking and then like. You were supposed to say 690, but you said 960. I'm like, no, nah, hell no. Nah. I'm definitely a jerk. I'm definitely a jerk. Uh, so no, that's the most Canadian thing ever. Why are you apologizing for Adam's stupidity? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Adam makes other people feel bad for no reason segment. It happens sometimes with my name where I'll tell people like, hey, like it's this or that way. But like yeah. this like at that point, like I had no clue who Adam was. So I just felt to be like, no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna serve myself here. <laughs> and then he says that and I'm like, oh nah, I just made a bl- nah, I just feel like an asshole. I'm I did sorry. text him completely out of the blue. He had no idea what my number was. So Julian, no listen. clue. You're, you're the best. We love you. And thanks for coming on. And we're going to be bringing you on regularly this year. So get to know Julian McKenzie on the Steve Dangle podcast, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, guys. The Penguins are trying to steal someone else's boyfriend. How dare they? So Jim Rutherford obviously resigned. There were some rumors about some trades, maybe that ownership caught wind of or whatever. I, I still want to know what happened in Pittsburgh. I really want to know. But in the meantime, according to the Athletics' Rob Rossi, uh, it could be Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm not sure if you know this, but Tom Fitzgerald, former Leaf, is also the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. No, I thought the Devils shot that down. 
Well, so here's the, the interesting thing about this quote. Let me read it to you because I, I kind of love this. Um, they say persistent pay, persistence pays off. And it seems like that is the angle Pittsburgh's going for here. The Penguins have informed the NHL of their plan to request permission from the Devils to speak with Fitzgerald, a team and league source said. They do not expect the Devils to immediately grant permission, but would keep knocking at the door, quote, says a team source. Hmm. No. Well, no. Well, no. Okay. Unless. Unless. <laughs> no, unless. That's this. It almost feels like with the NHL over the last little while, the way they get stories to go away is to inundate you with information rather than try to hush everything. Mm-hmm. They just go, Oh, Tom Fitzgerald might be involved or it could be Chris Drury or it could be this guy or it could be that guy. Remember like, uh, wasn't Dale Talon's name in the mix. And, uh, I, I uh, saw a tweet, uh, before we started something about Peter Shirelli is still very highly regarded. And I just, it makes it difficult to talk about what the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to be when it's like, well, what if it's one of 25 different people? Like, of course. I, I'm very confused um, with everything. Why Jim Rutherford left, what the direction of the organization is. Because like this, at this juncture for the Pittsburgh Penguins, whoever is coming in, is either taxed with helping the Penguins win right away Mm -hmm. or rebuilding them, which potentially means trading some future Hall of Fame. Crosby and Malkin? Potentially. No. Potentially. They're not rebuilding. They're not rebuilding. They're not going to rebuild. You got to – I don't know if the Penguins can ever trade Sidney Crosby. You can't. Which means – yeah, but then you got to make your team better. Yeah, you could trade anyone. Crosby could get traded in like oh, two years. Okay, guys, how does that make your team better? Trading Sidney Crosby? You could get a lot back for Sidney Crosby. No, he's a bummer. Weathers got a ton back from uh, for Wayne Gretzky, too. Did it make them better? It, de- See, it depends on what your goals are. I guess. I guess. You know? Like, I mean, anyone. it's not like his contract's that onerous either. Like, he's what is he right. making, 8.7? 8.7 because... Pretty good. That's not the guy I'm looking He's at. He's hilarious. Yeah. I, I mean, don't think, I think that's a discussion that's going to happen anytime soon. No. But like 10 years down the road. Well, for sure. Okay, maybe at that point if he's still playing. But Casey yeah. DeSmith and Tristan Jari haven't performed, I think, to what Pittsburgh wanted them to. And, you know, Chris Letang apparently was on the trade block for a hot minute. Uh, what I think the, the real question here, Steve, is something you always ask. What are the Pittsburgh Penguins this year? This is the thing. I'm not sure. I like a lot of their parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know what they are. And I can tell you what a team is that doesn't have good goaltending. Bad. <laughs> That's just all you are. Your identity is your bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be a challenge for them. If if I'm a prospective GM candidate, I mean, you're probably going to do anything to get the job, really. There's only 31 in the world. 32, actually now that Seattle's in there, but the Penguins are in such a unique position. I need to know as someone who is about to have this job, as someone who's about to run this team, what am I allowed to do? Mm. Mm-hmm. I need to, I want to know that I have the option to trade Sidney Crosby. You know what I mean? You want to have that option now. I want to know if I have the option to trade Evgeny Malkin, because apparently the line is Chris Letang, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like there was a battle over that. 
So if I'm not able to trade Chris Letang, how am I going to be able to trade Evgeny Malkin? I need to, as the GM, I need to be able to trade the players on the team for crying out loud. That's what any new GM has done forever. I need to know what I'm allowed to do. And I need to know what, I need to know Ryan Gosling, what do you want? What do you want? What do the Pittsburgh Penguins want? And I know it's not that simple. What movie reference is that? The Notebook. Notebook. Oh, wow. You ever seen The Notebook? Uh, like when I was like 13. Mm. That was like That's how young Jesse is. 15 I years ago. Him. I just hate him. Sometimes I just hate him. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> you guys continue because I got to <laughs> So here's, then, here's the thing that I think people really need to keep in mind. Okay. I know that the Pittsburgh Penguins have a healthy ownership group right now, and I know they've been a healthier team. But the reality is the Pittsburgh Penguins are a smaller market team. They are. The Steelers are, and the Pirates are too. And at a certain, unfortunately, what's going on with the Pirates right now, people are like, we should just fold them. Please don't. Please save the Pirates. But the, the problem is, and I, and I can remember this vividly because it happened right around the time I really started to pay attention to the business side of the game. The Pittsburgh Penguins were almost in Hamilton. They were, they were I mean, Gimbal this was silly. Not, yeah, that's right. They, he, he bought the team, but he didn't. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have on multiple occasions in the 80s, in the 90s, later 90s, and in the mid-2000s, been on the verge of moving. And it's not for any other fact other than, obviously, in a lot of those situations, revenue sharing didn't, agree, uh, didn't, uh, uh, didn't exist. So when that happens, obviously, it stabilizes things. I'm not saying the Penguins are going to move, but I'm saying we're already in a depressed economy. <laughs> and Pittsburgh is in a playoff spot as of right now. But if you have to look at moving stars like that, it affects a smaller market team a lot more than it affects a big market team. You've been able to hold on to Crosby and Malkin for what, 12 years, 13 years? It's great. But the reality of a generational player times two almost appearing in your lineup ever again, it's pretty slim. So to me, you hang on to those guys as long as you possibly can and you build around them. I, I, that's what I think. Man. I think... You have major issues if you start talking about those guys, even in a couple of years. I you think you're going to have me up. You just messed me up because it's actually, I think they're on year 16. Is that of, Sid- of Sidney Crosby? No way. And they drafted Malkin the year before. 16? Crosby was drafted 2005. Yeah. Oh, Malkin 2004. Whoa. Oh Evgeny Malkin was drafted just after the last playoffs that the Leafs won around in. <laughs> okay, all right. I think. Oh my God! I think it would be short-sighted of us to think that it, there isn't a time when Sidney Crosby won't be a Pittsburgh Penguin, and if that could be in the next five years, like it's totally possible. Yeah. Right I, listen, I'm not suggesting they do this. No, of course right, I'm right. not. Yeah, let's just let's get that out of the way. The option, the option needs to be there for the general manager coming in. The option needs to be there to go nuclear on the team and start a fresh franchise in terms of the core of your group. If I'm the ownership group, then I say you're not our general manager. Because okay. I keep that in mind if I'm ownership. I keep that history in mind. Mario Lemieux knows. Cool. And I say this because you're not my boss then. If you didn't give me the job, fine. You run the fucking team. All right. The freedom to do your job should be a, a thing you are allowed to do in your job. Yeah. And I think the freedom should be to make trades that you think will improve the team long term and, and eventually get you another Stanley Cup ring. And am I, as an owner, I would say to you, 
but then I need to find a general manager or a person creative enough not to trade Crosby or Malkin and build around them one last time. You're right, Steve, by the way, Sidney Crosby, season 16. Unreal. And that's uh, with the lockout. I mean, that's with like uh, the, the, like the half season. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what you don't want is yeah. Chicago, right? That's not what you want to be able to move on before you get to the other side, right? Yes. Of Agreed. your core of championship run. Agreed. But I would say that Crosby is better now. You could argue Crosby's not at his peak anymore, and I would agree with you. Very, very, not, not by much. Still real good. Oh, he's incredible. <laughs> like, he's like, 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 okay, is he uh, 120 points good anymore? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> he scored 100 points a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, he's still pretty flipping amazing. Um, is he the second best player in the league right now? Probably. Um, maybe third. I just don't see how that even needs to be a question on the table during the interview. I just don't. If I'm the ownership group, I'm like, you have a guy that's, that is, yes, he's advanced age, but this guy is scoring a point a game place plus. That's not the guy you trade. So then it should be obvious. It should be obvious what your job is. Your, your job is, I guess a rebuild is not on the table right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So you're looking for someone. Spend picks, baby. You're going to spend some picks. Yep. And when we're, when we're done, we're going to be real bad. But that's not yet. Mm-hmm. It's not yet. I think the Penguins got four or five more years out of these two, the way they're playing. I don't know. Four or five more years, years. And, you're a, and you're contending, though? I mean, I don't know. Could you call them a contender now? Every year, I picked them to win the East. Um, that's not looking great right now, but I did. Yeah, that's early, man. Who knows the East division, I should say. Yeah. But, um, just because I will never bet against the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mm -hmm. um, as long as Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin look the way they do Right now, they still do. They still do. There's going to come a time where they don't. Right. Well, it'd be very interesting to see that GM search, by the way, before we get to the press conference here, because there's a couple things we've got to do first, I do want to mention that the Central Division is just wonky. The number one team in the Central Division, can anyone guess? Florida Panthers. That's correct. They're undefeated yeah. in regulation so far because they've only played six games and they haven't lost. And they've won five of them. And they're st- and Columbus with ten games played is number two. Because they've yeah, played ten games. They, because nobody they played else 10 has games. played that amount. Yeah. Carolina and Dallas and Tampa all with uh, well, Carolina's got ten. Dallas and Tampa have got nine. So you got to think so someone's getting pushed out there. But yeah. anyway, very very interesting. Uh, obviously, there were some COVID uh, situations with that. But uh, the Central yeah. Division is wild right now. Uh, Jesse, you had something you wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, I just want to play a little bit of audio. Uh, this uh, piece of audio comes from uh, Scott. Uh, Galloway. Scott Galloway is an American advertising theorist. He is professor of marketing at the New York University Stern School of Business and a public speaker, author, podcast host, and entrepreneur. He was on MSNBC, I believe, today, and he had this to say. Maybe you're learning here. Maybe it's fun. Fine. Maybe it's a movement. But be prepared to lose 80 to 90 percent of it. And if it's still worth it, then have at it. But the biggest loss of capital here will be the human capital of young men who are sitting and staring at their phone and watching the price of Bitcoin or the price of AMC. And ask yourself, would you be better off taking that one, two or three hours a day and working out, trying to form relationships with mentors, 
with 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 romantic relationships with people at work getting great at something so you can be the person on the other side of the trade. The greatest loss in, in capital here is, is from young men who are more prone to gambling addiction, who don't understand uh, the markets. I think we are setting ourselves up similar to how there's a ton of young women out there who became very depressed by sitting in their rooms, looking at Instagram, oh. self-cutting and self-harm skyrocket. Oh, I think you my. are going to see uh, uh, an explosion and young male depression. And I think a lot of it is going to be reverse engineered to apps that convince you you're part of a movement or physically addict you to your phone. Ask yourself, would your time staring at Robin Hood be, be better spent somewhere else? That is the real capital destruction that is taking place here. That is Scott Galloway's response to people trading stocks on Robin Hood. Scott, I don't, I don't give a fuck what you've done with your life. I don't give a fuck what titles you've ever held. I don't give a fuck how much money you've ever made. You're a fucking loser. That might be the most loser bit of audio we've ever played on this show. Easily. <laughs> and I'm on the show. What a loser. And talk about, we need, to, we need to clip that so that we have a dictionary definition of big mad. He, Scott, is so unbelievably bothered by what's going on. I, I, How can I you listen know. to that? Oh, yeah, man, I'm turning people on this. All right. How can you listen to that and not think, I'm so glad you're getting screwed on this? And where do you start with just the problems in terms of the things he said? Like, he, he oh. addressed the only people trading on the, on the stocks on Robinhood are young men. Like... Any people of any gender can't trade stocks, and that women look at Instagram and then cut themselves. Like he went on TV and said these things. Oh, I'm still Jesse. Sorry, I'm just still. Uh, it's have you asking in the shockwaves of it? Have you ever seen that? Uh, what's the uh, what's the video, Steve? You you pointed it out to me. It's a guy doing the 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 pull ups on on uh, on, but it's the. Uh, you know when you're what's the workout thing that we sort of always make fun of because it's culty? Um, oh, uh, um, um, flex. No, no, I know what you're talking about. Um, CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. So there's a video that Steve sent to me once, and it's a guy's like, watch how many pull or uh, uh, pull ups I can do, front pull ups, and he does the the CrossFit thing is it looks like he's rowing, right? And it's yeah. like so somebody the over up in the zero, 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 <laughs> zero, and his hands are fucked at the end of it by the way and yeah. it just like that's what that video reminded me of it's swing and a miss swing and a miss swing and a miss like i and it was a it, you could tell there was this is something where he was in the shower and he's like got it but i'm not going to write any of it down i have <laughs> a half a thought and then i'm i'm not gonna i i'm not even really gonna research it i'm just gonna say it and i'm gonna make an emotional plea to men of the world and women who are on Instagram. And here's the funny part. Mm. What he's saying in that clip about what these quote unquote young men are doing is what every asshole stock trader on Wall Street does every day. That's what they think That's what are. they do. That's what That's they think you are. They chose that. And you're, you're on your, your own financial channel crying about the thing that you talk about all the time? It's on your, you want to talk about staring at the phone. People are staring at the TV with the ticker underneath. That's how you make your money, man. Is those yeah, people staring at their phones. No, that's how Scott achieved them. 
Is he never? No, he never looks at his phone, Adam. Go form a relationship. Go get off your phone. Which is a really polite way of saying, go get laid. Nobody who's who's traded stocks recently has ever had sex, by the way. That's a true fact. Nobody. None of them have ever had sex or or spoken to somebody that they would have sex with. No, it's, it's hey, what if the they people, don't even have friends, Scott? What if the people fucking with your entire life and what you've ever been are out there and have people who love them and have romantic relationships and have fulfilling lives, and they've just decided to simply fuck with you because you're the worst of humanity? <laughs> what about that? Is that a possible option? Mm-hmm. What if some oh of God. them are women? Like that too, there, Jesse. Consider that <laughs> fair point, there, Jesse. Guys, <laughs> guys, are you out of your mind? They're on Instagram. Oh, fuck. time to be on Robin Hood. No, like what is this? <laughs> Who hires are there? Like people talk about, like science fiction and alternate realities. <laughs> the alternate realities are on this planet in front of us. You can meet someone and speak to them face to face. You could shake their hand, except don't. It's a pandemic. But you can meet someone face to face, touch them, and they live in a different reality than you. This guy is in outer fucking space. Well, and it does go to show there's a massive disconnect, which people have been talking about for years, between the actual market and what's happening on Wall Street. And it's it this is exposed like a lot of people are telling on themselves now right there's a lot of people that just i don't know man i think saying uh, the quiet part out loud i think that yeah i think exactly i said the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud i think that there is it it goes to show why things are the way they are it goes to show that this is so this is a guy who's willing to go on the air imagine what's said with people who won't you know what I'm saying? Because on the air, and we'll, we'll talk about this, like, you know, I swear a little bit on this show, but like on Virgin, I never swear. You know, there's things on Virgin Radio, like there's things we can talk about on this show that wouldn't apply to a Virgin Radio audience and vice versa, right? Um, and there's things that we can talk about as friends, and everybody has this, that you wouldn't probably talk about in a public arena. And this is what this guy's willing to say publicly. What is he saying privately? Um, what are all the other clones like him Clang privately because you know it's a hive mind. You know to fit into that world, you need to fit into that world, right? It's not about being different. It's about doing exactly the same thing that we've all all done all the way we've done it. And by the way, we can do whatever the hell we want. And wait a second, there's a change. I'm upset. I'm calling the government. Mm. Like it's just it's that, just bananas I, to watch. Have you seen that video going around of um? It was, I want to say it was 2008 or so, the Occupy Wall Street movement. And there were people protesting on Wall Street. And there were there were Wall Street workers literally in like nice dresses and suits, like laughing at them and toasting them with champagne. No, no. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. Oh, yeah. And like, how can you not? It's, the, it's that sketch. Are we the baddies? You're the baddies. You're the bad guys. You are what's wrong with the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like that is not, that's not some, I don't think that's a political belief. I think across the entire spectrum, you should be like, nope, it's us and them. Mm-hmm. And it's there's 100% a of, us and them. ton of literature out there right now written by people who are, you know, just have to be contrary and have to, and they'll, and um, they're just saying, you know, you know, these people, right. And they're, they're our age. They're, they're of exhausting our generation. and hold us all back. Sorry. Continue. And they're like, you know what guys? Well, it, you know what? It, it doesn't even really matter what happens here. Cause wall street's going to win in the end. 
Yeah, you think we don't fucking know that? Well, thanks. obviously, but we got one win in. If the Russians, if we yeah. played the Russians a hundred times, they'd beat us 99. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all this is. And it, the, the reality, like, it's like, just, just look at the, look at what's happened here. There's no other time in history where this would have been possible. Yeah, this what is if we made a sequel cool. to Miracle, but the Russians won? <laughs> That's the movie that guy wants to let's watch. Let's make a hundred. Right. And in fact, uh, in fact, let's, let's just disavow Herb Brooks's speech. Yeah. Because really the Russians should have won. Yeah. Don't there's, play the game. Just forfeit. Yeah. No, there's a great game. speech, but they lose eight, three. <laughs> like that's the movie this guy wants to watch ben like, shapiro uh, would love that movie yeah actually all films are foolish <laughs> man and our best watch with popcorn no butter it needs to be dry mm. dry popcorn. you know something about dry now yeah, so dry that when you inhale popcorn comes out of the bag and into your mouth let's uh, let, let's do a quick press conference first question comes from wyatt jones wyatt jones wants to know thoughts on leafs reverse retro jersey now that we have seen them wear it so we've had this conversation before where most um jerseys look better on the ice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um this one i didn't like at first and then i started to come around on it and then they hit the ice and it's worse. Um, the gray, I don't get the gray. And um, I'm not a fan of the blue numbers, blue jersey. Mm. Like, it's just, it's too hard to, maybe I'm blind, but it was too hard for me to tell who was who. You're not the only person who said that. I think it's an imperfect jersey, but I didn't hate it when it came out and I don't hate it now. It's I think it's awful. imperfect. Yeah, yeah. It, he, here's the thing. people are like, why are you mixing two eras, you know, with the stripe down the side and the leaf crest being the way it is? The reality is no one wants to go back to the back to the Ballard crest. We had that for 50 years. It sucked. If you go go look back at the Leafs jerseys from five years ago, they are ugly. They're terrible. I think it was Pete Blackburn. They were so like, good when they came out. Uh, totally. Pete Blackburn, I think it was a couple of years ago, tweeted. He's like, I've forgotten how terrible the Leafs jerseys were. They were compared to what they are now because they followed up the pajama jerseys with oh god the leaf on the shoulder but and it was such a breath of fresh air that crest though that we grew up with that toronto maple leaf crest the rigid bag one. Of shit. terrible yeah. it's and it was it only right changed there. from the old one because harold ballard took the team under, in nefarious circumstances this logo right here that i'm pointing at yeah. this logo that was Everywhere. on my screen for all of my favorite childhood memories sucks <laughs> it does it's uh, the new one or the current one i guess is so good so good in comparison so that is why i was confused as to why they didn't keep it so i like the reverse retro idea but they went back to the 66 67 like last stanley cup logo which i like well that's but why. i didn't like it with the gray i think i think this team, since the 100th year, it's all about been moving forward. So I like the stripe down the side. I always thought that was cool. I think you need a bit more of a contrast. I think you need the white and blue. Um, and I think you stick with the same crest. I think you say it's the like the New York Yankees, and I, I harp on this all the time. They do not change their crest. It's N-Y. That's it. It's the same every time. And I think if it, it, no one's asking me, but if I was the head of the Leafs, the crest would never change again. I would, I would make it forever and ever, amen. I would, I would make them sign a legal document that says, this is the crest on everything. For the next hundred years. Thousand. I don't Thousand. care. Thousand. can never be changed. Perpetuity. Because we got to, like, come on. I mean, you so can the change the coloring out. around it, but yeah, to the, yeah, exactly. 
anyway, that's my opinion. I don't think it's that bad, but I don't think it's that good. Either. One more question. Well, sure. Well, here, wait, Adam. No, like, go ahead. Have you considered though, hmm? instead of talking about the Leafs jersey, if you spent this time criticizing the Leafs jersey, the two or three hours a day that you spend criticizing this Leafs jersey, what if instead you went out and you went to the gym and you worked out and you cultivated relationships right? and you tried to read a book and you did anything with your life, you fucking pee on. Have you considered that? Wow. The bald guy from CNBC is really getting to me. Yeah. He really changed my life today. I, I also... Uh, he was, he, you know, the average age of that, of anybody watching that channel has got to be like 55, right? So he's playing to that audience. You got to remember that too. Anyway, sure. I'm going to go form a relationship. <laughs> uh, one more question, Jesse. Uh, this is from Alexi Helmy. If and when, that's depressing, but if and when this COVID <laughs> situation is over, where are you traveling first? Now, that's a good question. I think it's a fun one. Where are you guys, where are you guys going? Jesse, Let's we've been answering the question. Why don't you start? Yeah. Where do I, ooh, um, in terms of uh, big trips, I'd like to do a trip to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on the list pre-COVID and it hasn't left. In terms of just traveling around, I'd like to go up to Oshawa and see Steven Dangle. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that warms my heart, man. You know, that we feel so good. We could Thank like, you. oh, the first time we can rent ice. I think we should like do a little shinny game with like we get all, all of our buds together. That was a blast. We did that once with like it was great. What a yeah. fun! We time should that do that was. as soon as we can. You know that'll be oh, a good. Hell time. yeah! Oh my god! Oh, I'm gonna be thinking about this for the rest of the day. I know. <laughs> I want to play some hockey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I skated uh, yesterday. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah you're open. Well, because yeah, the no the uh, outdoor it was, uh, on a bay. And because it, it was frozen and I wasn't near anybody. There's a pond near my house that, that kids are playing on all the time. Yeah. It's about to be a warm week. So had to had to get it in before. <laughs> Don't it trust up. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is February. Adam, where are you traveling? Well, I, I, I got to second you on the Steve thing. I think we need to get out there, not for a barbecue, but for a meeting. Um, <laughs> you know me. And I'm to see my business. son. Yeah. I've met Leo one time. Uh, and that's not enough. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so there's that. I mean, Steve friend, has hair. I had, I had a friend text me. They're like, how old is your son now? Four months. I'm like, he is seven and a half. Wow. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's, he's like, he's, I can tell he's knocking on the door of like crawling and his first word. And mm-hmm. He's making all sorts of noises. It's Honestly, crazy. that's crazy. I want him to be part of your lives. We want that too. <laughs> uh, post, honestly, post six months is when I really started to have fun. It's it's, oh. it's it's wicked fun. Hundred <laughs> percent. The first six are whoo, woo. Yeah. Uh, There's a big but, difference between one through three and then three through six, and then mm-hmm. six is oh, I've just been having a where the magic uh, besides visiting oh. Oshawa. Uh, I think we're talking about big pie yeah. in the sky. Um, I want to go to Europe. I want to go back to. I want to go to France, and specifically, I want to go to Toulouse and Bordeaux, and then I want to spend. Um, Oh, like a you know, do like a tour of like wine vineyards and castles, and uh, go to the Champagne region and drink champagne from Champagne, which all Champagne is from Champagne. Uh, otherwise, it's Prosecco, but Champagne that's made on on site. And then I want to go bake on a beach in the on the oh. Mediterranean. That's what I want to do. Beaches, I, wanna, I forgot about those. I want to throw my phone in the ocean, 
because I'm sick of it. You and should do it for dramatic effect. I should. Uh, I'm literally. I'm going to shut the phone off for a week when I get to do this. You whenever that phone. happens, mm-hmm. we'll get a new phone. <laughs> it seems like. Yeah. In like the pandemic, you don't have really the opportunity to close off your phone because you there's don't. so much happening. You need to keep up with everything that you can't really disconnect from the world because that's the only way to connect to the world. Yeah, but Jesse, what if you did? And then you also went and rode a bike and then you went and spoke to another fucking human so, being, you so excuse to, of a person. I'm supposed to not see people and not connect to people online. Yeah, yeah. During right, that's right. <laughs> make something of yourself. And also, do you make your bed? You ever yeah. seen that one? No. This, well, if you don't make your bed in the morning, how can you expect to? <laughs> Steve, where are you traveling? Um, well, to see to see my pals. <laughs> um, but um, I think I'd like to I'd like to visit the west coast of Canada. Uh, my wife's never gone, and I just feel like it'd be a really cool place to take Leo in the summer. Um. Always love the East Coast. Got to go to Scotland. I got to go back to Scotland because uh, uh, there was supposed to be a wedding this summer um, Mm -hmm. and all her family was going to come over and they were all going to see Leo for the first time. And we were, uh, you know, he was supposed to get like baptized and everyone was going to be there because it was going to be right around the time of the wedding. None of them have been able to meet him. Of course. So uh, it's got to be Scotland first and then uh leo's really young so i think uh like fun trips like italy and stuff which i would really like to do i, I think that's that's got to get pushed it's down in the future a yeah. i here let me put something out there that i that i want to do i don't know what you would call this like a genealogist i guess i i want like a private investigator but for like family history because I wrote about it a little bit in the book and I did some of my own research. I want someone to, I've been watching a bunch of clips of, I think it's finding your roots on YouTube. Okay. Like I want to, I want to be like, all right, here's what I've found about my family X amount of generations back, go and find the rest. Like I just, I want to hire someone who actually knows how to do that stuff. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that way we just have it. And when Leo is at an age where he can ask questions, I go right there. Hmm. Here's all the information. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that's just cool. Putting too. it out there. Um, I just want to quickly mention too, because this relates to something else we were talking about. Deadline.com, which is pretty reliable, says Netflix is developing a movie about the recent events with Redditors and GameStop. Mm. Uh, it's happening still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's said to explore the implications of social media on the status quo. Well, you know, it's Netflix. It's like, you're approved. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they, yo, they're working on the script as we speak. It's cool. They like, need it, to calm down. Let the <laughs> event happen. What the hell? All right. We got an idea for a series. Now, there's no ending, <laughs> but listen, I'll watch it. I'll watch but it. Make it in two years. No. If, you're, if you're making a movie on this, you it's, might as well call it the news. Like I'll turn <laughs> on CTV at 6 p.m. and watch it. Like, so Jesse, we're we're at we're at uh the stage in COVID where every time I see a new show, I'm like, how did this get made? <laughs> how did they make Bridgerton? That's true. <laughs> I want to know. The, I've seen that show. There's no social distancing. Well, I don't think they made Bridgerton during the pandemic. I think they made it 
pre. Uh, but yeah, I think I, they're making a mission impossible right now. And there's like aggressive testing. They're shooting, they're shooting stuff in Toronto. Like there's a ton of productions in production right now in Toronto. Mm-hmm. There's mission just impossible, of, Ontario. Uh, going to a restaurant. Handmaid's Tale is shooting in like the greater GTA uh, area. So that's cool. Yeah, there's Hopefully a bunch shooting. Back. That's considered a, now an essential because they don't want to lose those contracts if major money comes into Toronto for that. So um, you, can just, you can just make it up. Sure, of course right. we know Hand, that. Handmade sales, um, but the, yeah. Essential. So the thing is, the thing is, is that well, it's like so, so they're presented with it. It's like do you, mm. they have health, strict health uh, things, and that's why the whole Tom Cruise tape came out because even in Italy, he's like all over people in the cast about that. So yeah, anyway, essential. long story short, my friend happen. wants to start a university. That's essential. Ah, uh, you want to build on I this land? That's essential. Sorry. Oh, anyway, getting too political. You're talking about Steve. Well, you know what? Maybe I if I spend, he's upset. No. Maybe if I didn't spend two to three hours a day reading about this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Maybe if I got off my fat fucking ass and worked <laughs> out and rode a bike. Steve, have you considered getting laid? Because I clearly you've never had sex. No. Like I, There's I no really. Proof of that. No, it's it was immaculate conception. I was told. You know, maybe if I wasn't on Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway. I think this. I think this bit's done. <laughs> it is. I can't wait for it to come up in my Twitter mentions, though. I think it's going to be hilarious. Looking forward to that. So listen, thank you so much for listening. When we're back, the Leafs will still not have played a game. Their next game is oh, yeah. Thursday night against the Vancouver Canucks. So we don't get to talk about a new Leaf game until Monday. But oh, whatever. It's the way life goes. So we will see you then. Enjoy. And uh, looking forward to all the teams catching up to their games played in the division. Have a wonderful week. And just a reminder, if you aren't already a subscriber to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash SDP and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.